Thursday, August the 25th, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Recording this one a little earlier in the day on Thursday, and we've got some NFL to discuss with you. It's the final division preview that we have. So if you want to go through our entire team-by-team previews, we've now got the complete set. Every single team in the NFL, we break every team down, their win totals, their schedule, analysis. We talk about player movement, things that have changed in their coaching staff. How are they going to perform differently this year with their scheme, strengths, weaknesses, uh, games to play, uh, players to attack for fantasy, everything that you could imagine we give for you in in a uh, football preview. And Eric has joined me to talk about each team. So we finish up with the NFC West. Talk a little Rams, 49ers, Cardinals, and the Seahawks. And then we get into a lot of horse racing. Friday, Saratoga. A lot of New York bread races on Friday. Stakes races. Then Friday, Del Mar. I'm going to run through the Friday card. Saturday, we'll get into Saratoga. It's Travers Day. So I'll mainly focus on the stakes races at the back end of the card. Those are the ones that I thought maybe we'd be able to bet and find some value. We'll get into Saturday, Louisiana Downs. Saturday, Del Mar. And then wrestling with Chad Cooper this week in wrestling. It was a... A big week. There's a lot happening in AEW. Whether you liked or didn't like what they did on uh, on Wednesday night, I did not like it. WWE has great buzz going on right now. Both AEW and WWE have huge shows coming up next weekend. So Chad Cooper joins me and we talk all about that. It's a loaded episode of That's What G Said. That's presented by BetterThan.Vegas. At BTV Bets is where you give them a follow on Twitter. And if you're not following them, just head on over there and do it right now. Free content. It's free. You can flip them on in the background whenever you need some help with your gambling. Um, I host a bunch of shows over there, and there's a lot of different guys on the crew that'll come in and share their analysis. It's all free. They give you some of their reasoning and why they're making certain wagers. We'll have NFL previews for every single game this year, previews for the Monday games, the Thursday game, and then our big show on Sunday. We just want to help you become a better, better. Everything is free over at BTV, so give them a follow at BTV Bets. We're going to start with horse racing. We'll start with Saratoga and Del Mar for Friday. Then we'll get into the Saturday racing, then NFC West preview with Eric, and we'll finish up with wrestling with Chad Cooper. One note, um, the Lakers did make a trade to bring in Patrick Beverly. Feels like this is a move before another move. Now, with recent reports that Kevin Durant is going to be staying with Brooklyn, it looks like they're not going to be trading Kyrie Irving, and it looks like the Lakers may have to make a different move if they want to try to trade Russell Westbrook. The move that's been rumored is trading Russell Westbrook to the Pacers and getting back combinations of Buddy Heald and Miles Turner and the package that's built around that, basically. So if this is a move and then that's the next move, I can understand this. It seems a little weird to want to give up THT, Taylor Horton Tucker. He's coming off of a really down year, so his his value is not great right now. But maybe they just said, hey, you know what? We have LeBron for a couple more years. We just need to go get players that can help us now. Patrick Beverly is one of those guys that you do not like when he's on other teams, but you like him when he's on your team. And, you know, he he'll he'll help the Lakers in some spots, but, man, I don't like this guy. He's just a dirty player, and now I'll be rooting for him, so this will be fun. 
That's uh, that's with the Lakers in the world of basketball. Let's start talking some horse racing, and let's talk some Friday Saratoga. We'll get into racing. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse And you get those same DRF pass performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic pass performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF pass performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com better you want to spread your pony knowledge Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Join us Friday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time on Twitter at Stable Duel or at It's Me, Gino B. For me, Barry Spears and Matt DeSantis going over 
all of the important information for Stable Duel for the weekend. We'll tell you all about the big contest, and we'll give out best bets for Friday and for Saturday to help you out. All the horses that we give out are big prices. They're only 5-1 to one and over, and we'll let you know about the games that are happening, where they're happening, the contest entries, all the important information for Stable Duel for the weekend. Well, let's start talking some racing for Friday. Let's jump into Saratoga. I'm going to look at some horses towards the uh, the second part of the card. We'll start in race number seven. We're looking at Friday, August the 26th, if you want to get your past performances out and follow along. So I'm looking at the number four Donegal Surges. This is the funny side. They're going six and a half on the dirt for two-year-olds. And just these two-year-old races, I, I always like to look for horses that have shown they can pass and they can come from off the pace. Donegal Surges was a debut winner on August the 11th, and he was in the second flight. He was three deep of four. He had to take uh, a steady, he had to take up, and he steadied, and he ended up losing a couple lengths. He lost a little bit of positioning, but he he showed that he can come from off the pace. He ended up you know, it may have ended up working out like a blessing in disguise for him because he ended up getting a good trip with a lot of pace in front of him, and it was a big W. He can pass horses, and looks like there should be three or four of these that are all showing a little bit of speed. I like Donegal Surges. He's 4-1 to one on the morning line. If we can get anything over three, we'll make a win wager there. Race number eight is the Yado Handicap, and... We have a group of New York breads going a mile and a 16th on the turf. I like Mischievous Dream, the four. She's one at a mile, and she that was a two. And then she missed a ton of time from November of 2020 to April of 2022. She only had three races in that stretch. Just not a whole lot of racing. Now, now she's starting to shake off some of the rust. Most recently, she faced a horse named Bay Storm, who went wire to wire and won a maiden, uh, won a stakes race next time out at Monmouth Park, and then the runner-up came back to win uh, an optional fifty at Colonial next time out. So she's exiting a live race that was against Open Company. She's back in with New York Breads. She beat New York Breads a couple starts back, and going longer. She shouldn't really have a problem going longer, and it'll it probably give her an opportunity to sit a little bit closer. Castellano's having a pretty nice meet. He's been riding really well. I like Mischievous Dream, the number four, who's fifteen to one on the morning line. If we can get anything um, around eight, I'd make a win wager there. Race number nine. Let's move to the uh, the twelve in here. Anejo. Now he came over to Saratoga. On August the 6th And that was actually in the Doug O'Neill barn Prior to that he had been in the Jack Sisterson barn He had raced at Saratoga a couple times And he actually won at Saratoga before He's run really well here His last start was a career best effort And it was against Open Company He drew the rail He was towards the back of the pack Eighth of a field of nine early About five lengths off And then he tipped to the outside And he really started making up late ground And a big late rally for second He's back in with New York Breads. That was on, on an off racetrack. So if he gets a fast track, might even have a little more to, uh, to give. And he doesn't have to be quite as far back as he was. He can be placed in the race maybe a, a little bit earlier or a little closer up. Anejo, 
The number 12, 6 to 1 on the morning line. Anything over 4 will make a win wager there. In the 10th race, it's the West Point, mile and a 16th on the turf. I like the one therapist. He's fresh. And if you look at his recent form on May the 30th, okay, so he might be an okay price because in his recent races, he's been behind some of the rivals he's going to face today. Last time out, he was behind a couple of these. He ends up settling inside about four or five lengths off. He keeps to the inside, but he's just got nowhere to go. He's traveling well, looking for room. He has to take up angle around, and he just misses second that day. Go back to the race when he was behind City Man in Sanctuary City. Well, that was his first start coming off of a long layoff. He hadn't raced from November to April. Then in November, behind some like it, Ott Brown, that's the race that sends him to the bench. Another race, he's right behind City Man. He's defeated a nose that day. He may be a little bit better than the overall numbers and just sort of looking at the rivals that have defeated him recently. He's 6-1, to one, and if you can get anything over 4, I'd make a win wager on Therapist. In the 11th race, I'm looking at the 6 in here. This one's a little bit of a price. 15-1 to one on the morning line. Bow in the back. Last out was really, really wide and was about 7 deep in the early stretch. It was a better than looks effort on paper. Ended up finishing fit that day. He's 0 for 15, but on the turf he's 0 for 5 overall with a 4th and a 5th. So his turf form is much better and it's pretty good. Um, I think he, because a lot of people will see the 0 for 15, they may not take a deeper look and realize that the grass form is a little bit better and he fits really well in here. 15 to 1 on the morning line. If we can get anything over 6, I thought that was about the uh, the price he should be in here. We'll make a win wager. So that's Saratoga Friday. Like some horses in the back portion of the card. Best of luck Friday, August the 26th over at Saratoga. Let's move to Del Mar for Friday. Del Mar Friday, August the 26th. First post at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time. They kick off with Maiden Special 8s going 5 furlongs on the turf. I like the four in their odd G's. Didn't have the smoothest of starts in the debut. Took up, was back to last of eight, but was traveling really well and moved to the two path and got caught in traffic and got pushed inside. He was really unlucky. The blinkers come on for career start number two. Odd G's makes a lot of sense in there. The seven stormy machine is going to be pretty tough. Adventuresome is an interesting first time starter. The three zookeeper also makes a lot of sense. But the four odd G's top selection in the opener. Race number two. Now the two morning addiction ran a weird race last time out. Got the lead cleared, opened up two, was cruising, and then just stops. The field all passes her up. She's like 15 to 20 lengths behind. And then all of a sudden, at the top of the lane, she just starts to move again. She's flying late up for third. She's only beaten five lengths. Massive gallop out. In the past, she's run well at Del Mar. The race that she exits has already come back live with two next out winners. It was so weird. I'm, I'm going to use her in some spots. I like the six a little bit, though. Operatic. Now, she may get some speed to run at in here. She comes out of a race where she finished third. She's so pretty was second in that race. She moved right behind the leaders. It just She was kind of in tight quarters down in the inside at Los Al. She was all the way up to contend, and she just flattened out a little bit. It's it's not an easy spot to be in down on the rail. Prior to that race, 
She comes out of races where she lost to a horse named La Castleone, who had won five in a row, including a couple small stakes races at Arizona recently. Rapid transit and back-to-back races. And those races were in tougher spots. I think it's a good a good spot for Operatic, who is six to one on the morning line and should get a little bit of speed to close uh in here. Six two the three, she's so pretty, loves to win. The four secret square is a wild card with that type of speed stretching out, putting two starts together. Six, two, three, four. Some of the horses I've got at Delmar. In the third, maiden specials going a mile. The four Riverside had a slow start in his debut, his last of nine. He was about 12 lengths off. And he was behind a rival in... And it was towards the rear. And so he's trying to move up the inside. He's way behind everyone. And he's he's getting in traffic back there. So he angles around and he starts to make up ground nicely in a race where the winner won pretty easily. And is a very impressive winner. Really feels like distance should help this guy. Stretches out to the mile here. The nine. Kind of a, a wild card. Who... Is a half to a horse named Bewitching, who was second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies in multiple grade one placed, and a half to Mo Tom, grade three winner, half to Red Ruby, multiple graded stakes winner. The two Carmel Road, obvious player for Baffert. This guy was third in his debut. He was a little slow, moved to the inside, and then in between and around four wide, in between at the top of the lane. He probably gained a lot out of that race. He was always in between and never really in the clear. The one blocked gets back to the dirt. He was outside and the rival broke inward and he got pushed in. And then he got bumped around and he was in traffic. He was sixth on the outside in the two path. He was up to about two lengths off before tiring. It's a little bit better than it may have looked on paper. That was on the turf. Now he gets back to the dirt. He had to the blinks. The 10 is obvious player. Hard to figure moving from the inside to the outside. Horses that I'd be willing to use in some way, shape, or form in here. 4, 9, 2, 1, and 10. In race number 4, it's a maiden special weight going a mile on the turf in here. Syntactic, would, uh, syntactic wouldn't shock. Tangled up in gray, set the pace, held second last time out. Reckless Affair was right behind. Tangled up in gray. Almont is a first-time starter. This barn obviously couldn't get them ready to rock first time out, but it's just not easy to go long on the grass in your debut. The eight smoothest silk is the one who I wanted to recommend using. The blinkers come off. She's going to make her second start. Her dam was a four-time winner on the turf uh, and was a stakes winner. And smoothest silk got bumped really hard at the start, and, and that was that for her going five and a half furlongs. She should be better in a spot like this going longer on the turf. She's actually facing the boys in here. But nobody really scares the heck out of you. She's a big price. She's 15 to 1. The number 8. Smooth as silk. The fifth race at Del Mar. Starts to late pick four. $20,000 claimer. Six furlongs on the dirt. Uh, I'm going to look to the outside for the uh, the horses who I'll be using. The 8, Annie Graham, was tucked in just behind the leaders last time out. That was against Better. She was traveling really well. She got Rube inside. She was pretty close, 100 yards from home, and just couldn't quite go on with the top couple. That just a little better than her in a tougher spot. Then the 11, Cherished, was claimed over at Churchill. Comes over here in a lower spot, but there's a lot of incentives for the out-of-town horses, so... 
it's okay when you see horses that are dropping a little bit and maybe from aggressive spots. I like the 10 most warm summer. Second off the bench, was tracking in fifth last time out, but just about three lengths off. And the top two were one and three. There just wasn't a whole lot through early in that race. There wasn't a whole lot of passing. I think warm summer have a little bit more fitness after that race on July the 23rd. She has run well here at Del Mar before finishing third behind a couple next out winners in a race where she had some trouble. Warm summer. 12 to 1 on the morning line on warm summer. If we get anything over 8, we'll make a win wager there. Let's move to race number 6 in here. It's made in special weight, going a mile on the turf. I thought the five a little bit crazy is going to be pretty tough in here. She got stopped at the back of the pack when she wanted to go, and she does not have to be that far back. That was her first start going long on the turf. She was way closer when she was sprinting on the dirt and sprinting on the synthetic. She's had legitimate trouble in a couple races, and she's just due for a a smoother journey in here. I think she's going to be really tough. Others in here that make sense would be the the seven, uh, Arikita and the two. Sensible move, but I like a little bit crazy quite a bit in here. In race number seven, another race where I just couldn't get to any big prices. Silver Lightning, <clears throat> obviously off the monster win. Man, oh man, drops in class, comes out of uh, a couple tougher spots, and then you have the the outside runner let him do first off the claim for Sadler. He's great with first hor- with horses like this where he claims these maidens and he just knows where to bring them back. And to place him in a protected spot. 8-1-2. and two, Closing things out. Above suspicions. Damn one a couple times on the turf. Looking to get even. Had a tough trip. Was four wide into the turn. Then made a big move to the lead. And opened up. And of course the wide journey caught up with her. She's 0-20. But she was pretty good in that last start. The horse who I like the most though is Deerbo. From the inside. This filly should be able to save ground. In her last start, it was the first time she dropped in for a tag. And it was at, in a similar spot. She was 10th in that race early in a field of 12, so towards the back. And then she really started to move nicely in between horses. She ran into some traffic. She moved through. And she closed very well on the inside. She was 4th. Uh, she was only beaten 3 lengths, though. And it was probably a little bit better than the running line might suggest. Uh, that dear bow fits pretty well in here. She's 6-1 to one on the morning line. If we can get anything over 7-2, to two, I'll make a win wager there. So that's Friday over at Del Mar. Let's move from Friday racing to some Saturday racing. Let's talk some Saturday Saratoga racing next. Travers Day on Saturday over at Saratoga. Let's take a run through the stakes races for Saratoga on Saturday. They begin in race number 4. A couple of the early stakes races, I just... Honestly, can't. I'm not really going to bet a whole lot. The fourth race, it's the Boston Spa. I have no problem with our flash drive if you're looking for a horse to play in there. I think she's very consistent. She fits well with this group. And maybe, you know, she's a playable price at, you know, seven to two ish. But no real strong opinion. And then in the four go, I. I'm not as high on Jackie's Warrior as a horse overall as as some are. I mean, he's super talented. He he's you know he's perfect at Saratoga. He's the 12 time winner. I it's more of the and this is maybe unfair of me to do. He can't help who he has to face, but I don't really look at a lot of the horses that he beat that he's beaten and say, 
oh wow, they're really nice horses. He has the one race that I thought over, you know, life is good. When life is good, maybe needed the race, but I really want to see him win some big ones. And more than anything, I'd love to see other tougher competition for him. Um, he's in a grade one here. What is he supposed to do, right? Where, where else is he supposed to run? But I just don't know who in this race is fast enough to push him. It's not Baby Yoda. He's not that quick early. It's not drafted. He's not that fast early. 3-2 zone. Cody's wish. Pipeline, knee deep in snow. None of them have the running style to make it tough on him. Maybe seven furlongs can be a little more difficult for him, but if there's a race where there's another one or two really fast early horses, well, then he he can get beat. But in races where he can get the lead and just clear, he's always going to be pretty tough. So I won't be getting involved in a whole lot of stuff early on the card because I think it looks pretty chalky. And they, they did a good job of trying to keep some of the really, really chalky races earlier on the card there. So that's a couple of the uh, the first stakes races. Let's move to the eighth race. Now we have a string of four consecutive grade ones, and there's a pick four here. It's the grade one Jerkins, three-year-old sprint race. The favorite in here will be Jack Christopher. He's the horse to beat. I thought the one Conaher might be able to get the lead. There isn't that much sprint speed for this type of a race for three-year-old sprinters. There are a lot of horses that are more pressers and closers in here. With the inside draw... If I were the one, I think they should just send hard. They did this last time out, using the rail to get to the lead and might be able to clear. And because I'm looking at the race shape like this, I think that the 8 Gunite is very live. Now, Gunite has been defeated by Jack Christopher and then by Conaher in in back-to-back starts. But those were right before a layoff and then right after a layoff. And he's gotten... A little better. He I mean he was your Amsterdam winner last time out, and it was was pretty impressive in that effort. I think he could sit a very nice trip in here. So the one and the eight would be the horses that I'm I'm intrigued by. Looking at the price of them, I would probably also include Howling Time in some spots, and then you know Jack Christopher's the horse to beat. But I'm gonna look at prices on the one and the eight. And those will be the two for me that I'm gonna be building the exotics around and, and trying to really uh, capitalize on them. The ninth race is the personal ensign. I think Latruska can bounce back in here. I have a feeling that search results is trying is going to try to sit back a little more. Now in the Ogden Phipps, search results took it right to the outside of Latruska. And search results put Latruska away, opens up, but couldn't hold off Clarier and Malathot. Now they have to go even longer than that race. I wonder if. Flavian Pratt will try to save a little bit more on search results, and that may let Latruska sneak away and not have to deal with as much early pressure. I'm going to give her the chance to bounce back in here. Of these group, I think Latruska, I think Clarier is the best horse, and then Malathat is the most versatile. That's what's really fun about this race. It's a small group, and so you can, you're not going to get rich betting it. But they all can stake their claim. I mean, search results has gotten really good. She hasn't done much wrong in her career. Let's see if Latruska can turn the tables on, on these gals. Okay, let's get to 
Race number 10 This one's the Sword Dancer Mile and a half on the turf course here Adamo's going to be tough from the inside You have Broom who comes in from Aiden O'Brien This was your Breeders' Cup turf runner-up From last year behind Abir They would be no shock But I'm looking in different directions in here I think Gufo with the blinkers on And a better post Has a better opportunity in here He was way, way out of it last time out I mean, Gufo is normally not on the lead But he was 15 lengths behind At Monmouth Park in the United Nations He actually ran pretty well closing The top two horses They were like 10 and 12 lengths ahead of him Early as far as their positioning is concerned So they got such a big jump on him He closed well, he was making up ground late Now the blinkers come back on Which should just give him a little bit more focus Early, maybe he's not 15 out And he can be closer to 8 out the the other horse who I'm I'm very intrigued by at the price is uh, Mira Mission, who I'll I'll probably play if we can get around ten to one or so. Mira Mission went into the Forbidden Apple in really nice form. Was beaten just a neck behind Santin in the Turf Classic, finished in front of Adamo. Was only beaten a a length just over a length in the Grade One Makers Mark at Keeneland back in April, and then on July the fifteenth. He was taken back, he was a little farther back I think than they may, maybe would have liked They were going kind of quick early in that race So he's ninth of 11 He's about 10 lengths off And he starts to move into contention But he he's behind just a wall of horses Literally lined up There's just nowhere to go And he kind of has to stop and wait And then he angles around And he's wrapped up on late I thought it was a good performance for Mira Mission And I think he's sneaky because he, he's probably going to sit a little bit closer going longer here. And, you know, who knows if, if this is a trip that he wants. But I would include him in your pick fours and your pick fives. So I'll, I'm going to try to build a lot of things around Gufo and uh, Mira Mission. In the Travers. Cyberknife is in nice form. He feels like one of those three-year-olds that's peaking. Yeah, you have... I'm just not, I wouldn't, I'm not going to play Rich Strike uh, Again until he proves it in multiple races To me that he can compete with this type of a group the, the one race that jumps off the page Is the Derby and we've never seen Any other race that is remotely Close to what it would take to, to compete with these Epicenter's Slow starts are Worrying me a little bit Early voting just kind of stopped He had a pretty nice trip In the Jim Dandy getting things his own way You have Artorius who's an up-and-comer who's trying to win his third in a row Gilded Age was a runner-up behind Artorius But I like Zandin I feel like he's the horse to bet in this race If you're looking to bet it He's 5-1 to one. If he's anything 7-2 to two or above He's the value in here He's going to be making his second start back Since the Derby And he was sitting in a pretty nice spot He was sitting a little closer than expected In the Jim Dandy It was just a small field So he has to sit a little bit closer to stay in striking range And... Epicenter just went by him and he was a little bit flat So if he can be a little sharper And maybe they They take him back a little bit more And have him try to sit back and make One late run instead of kind of tracking And being the one that was actually Having to press a little bit So I'm, I'm looking at Zandin and anything Around 7-2 to two plus In the Travers That is Saturday over at Saratoga Let's continue along with the Saturday racing We're going to move over to Louisiana Downs Talk a little bit about their 7 race card 
Louisiana down Saturday, 17% takeout in the win play show, 15% takeout in the pick four and the pick five. And we'll keep our fingers crossed. It was really, really bad weather uh, earlier at Louisiana Downs this week. So they canceled racing Monday and Tuesday. It was supposed to be pretty wet throughout a lot of the week. And we'll keep monitoring everything. I'm always out at Louisiana Downs. If you ever are looking for a place to play, you'll see my selections pop up before each race. And then you'll always hear my voice on the broadcast providing some analysis before and after each race along with track announcer John McGarry. So let's talk Louisiana Downs for Saturday. Let's jump into race number one. We kick off the card with a group of maiden $5,000 claimers, five and a half furlongs on the dirt. I thought the three yo play the first timer here for Joe Foster. The dam was a five-time winner. She produced three siblings. One of them was a winner. This barn has already won with three first-time starters at the meet, three of nine. They've been very live with their firsters. The four half a doodle on the drop-in class makes sense. He hasn't ever really run a bad race. All four of his races have been in slightly tougher spots. He's finished fourth a couple times in third. He was behind a horse named Bodie Bodie who came back to win. Actually, two from the June 12th race have come back to win so far. The two cool cat Jones takes a big drop in class and his three winning siblings. He'll just be making his second start ever in his debut race. He had a good start. He was close up on the outside, just about two lengths off and then backed up a little bit to sixth. He was still traveling well and then just got outrun, but the top two finishers from there came back to win their next start. So it was a very live race at Remington Park back in November. Three, four, two. In the opener, nothing too outside the box. Pretty formful there in some of the early few races for me. Race number two, Louisiana bred Phillies and Mares, three-year-olds and up, $7,500 non-winners of two, five and a half furlongs the distance. I like the three, Sweet Jackie Lee. She moved up to challenge the pace setter and the easy winner, and then she just backed up last time out. I think she's going to enjoy the cutback in here. The seven, say what, feels like the horse to beat. I think she's drawn well. She should sit nicely and either on the lead or just sitting right off. Bodie's connection on the big drop in class. Look at her recent main track races. They're very good. Three, seven, four. The two wouldn't shock, but I just like the others a little bit more. Let's move to the third race. 5,000 odd winners of two. Phillies and Mares, three-year-olds and up six and a half on the dirt. The six horse, I'm accustomed to it, could be a pace factor even on the cutback. And I love this cutback from a, a mile to six and a half, the outside draw. That'll give Brianne Culp some options there. The four, St. Maria, loves to finish under. Gets a little class relief in here. And the three, I love you more. There's not a ton of speed in this guy, in this for this gal. So six and a half should be a good distance for her, but she needs a little bit of help up front. Royal bonus wouldn't shock. Just didn't really love the effort last time out. I'm going six four three in the third. Let's move along to race number four. We're gonna go five and a half furlongs on the dirt. Maiden special weights, two year olds, and we have the four roll on out as the top selection in here. He was hustled from the rail to flash a little speed, and he battled with one other, and they set it up nicely for a horse coming from off the pace that day. He's stepping forward. Any more improvement would be really, really tough. The six-gallant buck 
was a good runner up in his debut at Evangeline. That was in the slop. He moved inside and he was about five lengths off early. And he was in between and then down to the inside. He ended up finishing second and the third place finisher came back to win a maiden special weight next out. The five Moro Outlaw. Wooden shock. He was getting a nice trip, but he just couldn't make up ground on the top few. But he's stepping forward also. The two golden remedies. Dam was unraced, but the lone sibling was a seven-time winner. She wouldn't or he wouldn't be a shock. Two-year-old son of golden sense. Red Sun debuted against Maiden Claimers. Had a slow start, but ended up a clear second. It was a nice debut effort after moving to the inside from last. I went 4-6-5. Wouldn't be shocked to see either the one or the two run well in here. The fifth race, let's go to the turf for a mile. Louisiana bred maiden special weights. I'm looking at the seven in here, Drew Silla, who was very impressive in her two turf starts. She was beaten just a neck and then came back and was second again behind a horse who had a little bit more of a, a tactical edge on her and was a little classier. The four, come what may, was sixth early in that colonial race, was about five off, and then just tipped out wide and, and didn't really have a whole lot. But her races have been against Open Company. Now she's going to shift in with Louisiana Breads. She's also going to move into the barn of Sarah Delaney, who's having a fantastic meet. The one, she's Wayne's turf race on June the 3rd was against Open Company at Evangeline. Showed a little speed that day. Finished fourth. Was only beaten a couple lengths. 7-4-1 in race number five. We move to the sixth. It's a, an allowance race and non-winners of two. Five and a half furlongs on the dirt. I'm looking at the five in here. Bordeaux Red. Should get a really nice trip sitting just off the pace. Yeah, I know he's not run in over a year. But he's cutting back from a mile to five and a half. I think at five and a half, if he can just sit third or fourth, he should fall into a great trip. You look at you know, Justin Spate is really quick. Macho Ronnie draws the rail. He's really quick. DT's dream is fast. Peso in my pocket would not be surprising to see him right on the lead. You have Don't Wait Up, who might be sitting a little bit, but I'm going to try to play against the 7 Don't Wait Up. I'm going to use the 5 and the 1A as horses who I think can sit the trips. Justin Spate, if anyone's the speed of the speed, it might be the 6. 5, 1A, 6 for me, trying to beat the 7 who comes in from Belmont, I think may get over bet a little. Let's move to the 7th and final. 12-5, non-winners of three, going a mile and a 16th on the turf course. I'm looking at the three, Anai Clued, who exits a couple really tough races behind wins tea time in excellent form. Should be able to save all the ground and come running in here. The two, Paralysis from Analysis, was a good runner-up last time. We saw him on the turf. I'll use them in all exotics, along with the number eight, Henning, who should get a much better trip in here. It just it looks like there's a lot of speed in this race. You have Lucky Crusader, who will probably be like tracking a little bit, but you have obviously two who's really quick. You have Rooster Run, who's really quick, and then you have American Nightmare, and all three of them could be pushing each other and setting it up well for horses from off the pace. So three, two, eight. I'm looking for the off the pace types, and then the wild card speedies are the six and the seven. Three, two, eight, six, seven, depending on how deep you want to go or what your approach is to some of those exotics at Louisiana on Saturday. So that's Saturday, Louisiana Downs. Good luck there. Let's head to Del Mar. Finish up with Del Mar Saturday for August the 27th.
Del Mar, Saturday. Let's take a look at race number two to kick things off. I'm looking at the seven in here, Reef City. Two-year-old who debuted on July the 31st, and in his only race, he drew the rail, and he moved into some tight quarters early on. He was inside, and he actually moved pretty well after that. Was up to fifth, just about three or four lengths off. Ends up finishing third, and... Just looked like a good race to build off. He gets off of the inside, and I'm expecting improvement. Second time out for Reef City, who is six to one on the morning line. If we get anything around four, I think that's a fair price to make a win wager there on Reef City. Let's move to the sixth race. I'm gonna look at the nine horse in here, Damasio. He'll be making his second start in his career debut on August the sixth. He was a step slow. He also drew the rail. And then he moved up quickly. He was just about two lengths off on the inside. He was about fourth or fifth and traveling pretty well. But he tried to go in between horses and then inside. And he just he couldn't get the smooth trip that he was looking for. I think he fits really well in here. Damasio, the number nine. Six to one on the morning line. Anything around five, we'd make a win wager there. Let's move to race number seven right next door. Five furlongs on the turf course. I'm looking at Woodbine Way, the eight. 9-2 to on the morning line. This filly comes off of a runner-up effort. She was close up early. Again, another one who drew the rail. She was sitting two lengths off. She was traveling well, and she was in tight quarters. She has to take up steady, backs up, angles around, comes on again. That was her first start in a couple months. She's set for even better here. Woodbine way. 9-2 to on the morning line. Anything at 3-1 to plus, we'll make a win wager there. The ninth race, looking at the number nine in here, Defunded. Defunded is eight to one on the morning line, coming in off a real disappointing effort in the San Diego. Prior to that, he was a good runner up in the Gold Cup. The blinkers are going to come off. He's going to cut back now to seven furlongs. I think this will help him. He'll be sitting off the pace more at this distance. And I think Defunded is going to run a big one. Eight to one on the morning line. Anything at five plus, we'd make a win wager. In the 10th race, let's look at the number 7. Table for 10. He's 15-1 to 1 on the morning line. Looks like there's a pretty good amount of speed in this race to set up for some horses coming from off the pace. Table for 10's turf form is sneaky good. He only has a couple wins, but he's been in the money a lot, and he's got some unlucky trips. July the 29th, right here at Del Mar, at this level. He had a good start, but he got bumped inward. He had to back up. He had to settle ninth. He was about seven lengths off of it. And he was kind of congested down on the inside. He was traveling well, but he was buried behind horses. And it was a sneaky effort. Go back to his last grass race before that. He's finishing second in a first-level allowance race behind Ted up at Golden Gate in November. Prior to that, he's crushing a group of lower-level claimers on the turf. He's really capable. Table for 10. He is 15 to 1 on the morning line there at Del Mar. That's the 7 in race number 10. So that's Del Mar for Saturday. Got a lot of Friday, Saturday racing for you. Good luck at Saratoga, Del Mar, Louisiana Downs this weekend. We're going to move on over and uh, start talking some NFL. But before we do, to talk about Cindy Carava, full service realtor, Cindy Carava. Her website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com, CindyCarava.com. You can find out all of her listings, 
current listings, past listings. You can find out all the ways she can help you as a full-service realtor. She can connect you to vendors if you need help with home improvement, like landscapers, gardeners, painters. She can put you in touch with... uh, you know, lenders, if you need help with a, a home loan, and they can help expedite that process for you. She can do a free market analysis of your home's value. If you're somewhere where you haven't been able to find a realtor in your area that can help you out, please contact her. She has friends and connections all over. She will put you in touch with someone in your area that she knows, that she trusts. I've known Cindy for 10, 12 years now. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people you will ever meet. Cindy Carava. Head to the website, cindycarava.com. Let's talk some football next. NFC West. We're going to go team by team. We start out with the Rams. Stafford shoulder injuries. Are you worried? They're getting a little bit older. What about the 49ers? Trey Lance. Is he going to be awesome? Or is he going to have the growing pains? Maybe a little bit of both. What to expect from Arizona? Kyler Murray and Kingsbury haven't seemed to be on the same page. They've had a bad offseason, and then Seattle post-Russell Wilson. What will that look like? Eric joins. We get into each team in the NFC West, and now we are finishing up. So if you want help diving into each of the other teams, we have previews of every single NFL team so far. Right now, NFC West. Folks, we are about to finish up with our NFL team previews. We have done the first what seven divisions so far? And now we're going to finish up with the uh, with the NFC West. Eric has been with us to talk about every single team. Eric's been with us for every football conversation we had for the last couple of years about everything on this show. Uh, but Eric, NFC West to to dive into. So we've got the Rams as the slight favorite in here. Your reigning Super Bowl champs, but they're not an overwhelming favorite. And uh, 49ers, the second choice to win the division. Trey Lance going to be taking over the starting quarterback duties. All this weird stuff going on with Arizona, with Kyler Murray and, and Cliff Kingsbury. And then things are going to look much different for Seattle because it's going to be post-Russell Wilson. So a lot of things to talk about in this division for sure. And this is it, man. I can't believe it. We're here. Yeah. I mean, you know, we got college football starting this weekend. We got fantasy football drafts. Um, yeah. I just did my last two keepers. I mean, I'm getting Kyle Pitts for 12 bucks. You know, very happy with that auction Beautiful. last year. Um yeah, looking forward to it, man. You know, looking forward to the season. You know, it's kind of a little bit of a dead time for me right now. So I'm like, um, I'm an eager beaver. I'm not handsy at all. And I'm trying to build a shelf, which is like looking like a nightmare. But I'm at least, I'm, I'm trying to do some stuff. So there you go. And so now um, all of the, uh, the previews, the fantasy stuff, even more in depth as uh, we start talking Rams. We're going to go team by team. So for the Rams, Eric, their win total, we're seeing like 10 and a half. For their over under, they are favored to win the division here, but not an overwhelming favorite. Still plus money. the The NFC is really wide open. I mean, there's just a lot of question marks about the NFC because when you think about the teams that were good last year, you think the Rams. Well, they're going to be a little bit older, and we've already heard that Stafford has had maybe some issues with the injury, elbow, shoulder stuff. The 49ers were very good last year. Trey Lance is going to be starting. They have a brand new quarterback. We have no idea what he's going to look like. And they have some questions on the defensive side and on the offensive line. The Tampa Bay Bucks were good last year. I mean, Brady's a year older. They're going to continue to get older. We don't know if any one of these years is going to be the year where he maybe just doesn't have it. Maybe he 
He gets hit hard, and you know they don't have a whole lot of depth there. Think about uh, Green Bay. They lost. They were good. They've been a perennial top NFC team. We don't even know what to expect from their wide receivers. And if Aaron Rodgers is going to be on shrooms in one of his games. I mean, he might take shrooms before one of these games. We don't even know. Who knows? A lot of questions. I mean, um, <laughs> you kind of hit the nail on the head. The top echelon teams, the Rams, seem to have the, the least questions. Yeah. Um, you know, they did make a big addition on the defensive side. They brought in Bobby Wagner. You know, yep. he can stop. He can, you know, he can rush the quarterback. He's good against the run. He can drop back in coverage. Having him there is just going to elevate this defense. They got Hill back from the Browns. My little worry about him is he is 30. That's That tends to be the age where you see DBs kind of declined. But at the end of the day, let's face it, you, when you have Aaron Donald there, offensive lines have to pay so much attention to Aaron Donald that it just makes everyone on the defense better. Yeah, and Aaron it's Donald nice. gets hurt, let, let, that defense just takes an immediate free fall. Absolute, completely agree because there's so much attention paid to Aaron Donald that it makes it easy, not easy, but Greg Gaines, uh, Robinson, Leonard Floyd, Justin Hollins, the other, the other interior defensive linemen and the other edge rushers, they get one-on-one situations. Sometimes they get half on one where so much focus is on Aaron Donald that they just get straight shots to the quarterback a lot of the times. And now what's nice is that like you hit, they bring in Bobby Wagner. So they've got a real stud on the front of their defense. Then they have a stud in the middle of the defense with Bobby Wagner as a really good vet. And then they have a stud on the backside of the defense with Jalen Ramsey and they bring in Hill. So their depth, it's not, they're not going to be able to be sending in players off the bench that are that quality, but they do have top tier quality at a lot of key positions on offense and on defense. I mean, that defense should be pretty good. And I think they're only one of the four teams that um, football outsiders is projecting to have a top 10 DVOA on offense and on defense. They should be pretty well-rounded overall. Um, Bring in Allen Robinson. That should help their wide receivers room too. He's someone who's not been dealing with very good quarterback play, but uh, a major question mark. I think we can have about them will be on the offensive line, right? Because uh, no Whitworth. He's been a mainstay for them over the last few years. Absolutely huge. And, you know, you're just kind of looking at it. They ran 23% of their plays because they are an outside zone running key team to the outside behind Whitworth. That is the most by far in the NFL last year, one of the most ever in the history of the league. They're bringing in Joe um, Noan Boom, never been a starter. So, but Common, not I don't want to use the term common sense, but logical thinking means there's going to be a drop there because of how Absolutely. good it is. Yeah. Um, you know, they brought they lost Austin Corbett too. I think that's a big blow. Um, they brought in the offensive coordinator from Kentucky. His he has an inside zone running scheme. McVeigh's is an outside zone running scheme. So I wonder if they really struggle with this outside zone because no and boom is struggling. Do they make a switch to do a more of an inside zone just because the interior part of the offensive line is their strength? In terms of Stafford, this guy has played with a broken bones. He's, He's played tough, man. He is tough. I mean, you know, his first year separates his shoulder, throws a two-point conversion. Um, this guy is just tough as nails. I'm not really worried about that injury. Um, Cam Akers, you know, just my – I, 
my one bet is I did Cam Akers under 10 or 50 and a half total yards. My thought process is this. You're running an outside zone. You have a running back coming off of a ruptured Achilles. He's not going to have the speed to get to the outside zone where the edge is set. By the time he gets there, the gap in the zone is probably going to be closed. They ran so much behind Nolenberg, excuse me, behind Whitworth. There's going to be a drop in the production just because the quality of the guy setting the edge isn't there. Yep. And then you just look at the history of like running backs like Dante Foreman, who was great last year for the Titans. He's considered a success story after rupturing his Achilles, but it took him a couple years to get there. Um, so I'm a little bit worried about Cam Akers this year. I love him. Don't, I mean, I was on your show. Like one of the first stuff we did was the draft. I was hyping him up best running back in the draft, but this year coming off the injury and the questions with the offensive line under 1050 and a half total yards. I like not really a factor in the passing game, just because one reception for nine yards, that's what he averages in the regular season. You mentioned Allen Robinson. You got him there. You got Higby, you got Van Jefferson, you got Cooper cup. So and then so at some point, maybe there. Odell also middle of the year too. He's a free agent though. I don't think he's. Under yeah, contract. I don't think he's under contract. But I think, I think what teams are waiting, sort of like waiting for him, right? I think they're kind of waiting to see they need. And w- with Odell, he probably just signs on with a vet with a team that's like, you know, a playoff. He's going to go like to a playoff team where he can get his best training. And, and um, what's nice is like you learned the Rams system last year. So you yeah. know everything about them. You can come in, you know Stafford already. You won't have to learn a whole lot. So they're, they're sort of just assuming maybe halfway through the year they get him. But even don't even – you know he doesn't play a snap for them. They're, they're fine with Cup and Robinson and Jefferson and Higby. That's a lot of – like that's really a, that's, that's a lot of talent. Um, You know, even if – and the, the thing that blow like when you just step back and say it out loud, if Cooper Cup has a 30 30% drop in production, he's still wide receiver one. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. So he's, yeah. I mean, he. I have him. I, I, I just, I'm sending out my top 200 for PPRs this week to everybody, and I actually have number two. He's number two on my top 200 this year. Um, I, I was pick of, three in a keeper league, and um, Cooper Cup dropped to me, which yeah. I was pretty shocked. It's a one keeper. You can only keep your keeper from last year. And you can't have keep you can't have multiple years of the same keeper. So Cooper Cup wasn't able to be a keeper. My keeper was Javante Williams, who I had last year. I wanted to keep a back, so I kept him. And I figured, just sort of looking at, I kept because I I looked at the way it was going to to plot out. And the two guys in front of me, I thought they both wouldn't take receivers. So I figured I'd get Cooper Cup or Jefferson. I thought I was going to get uh, Jefferson, and sure enough, I, Cooper Cup dropped to me at three. So I was able to get Cup and pair him with Javante Williams, and I feel pretty good about where I started out, um, you know, in that spot there. So he he's phenomenal, and and they're like you know they're a veteran team too. So I wouldn't want to go goo goo on like betting their win totals or anything. But if this team's healthy come playoff time, they're going to be good. They're going to be tough. They're going to be a tough out in in a playoff game. They need to learn. You're right. They their weakness to me right now is running the ball scheme of running like they're running attack overall because that was just a that was a major weakness last year last year they were 30th in epa per run play during the season including the playoffs they were only in front of the texans and the dolphins and they still had good run blocking and really good passing but they couldn't even manage anything efficient in the run game at all so that needs to be a focus for them because that was something that you pointed out that when they 
they didn't even need to be good last year running, but they just needed to run enough to keep other teams honest. Yeah. And that was what helped them along, like that They're helped really, them down, down the stretch. It's a short passing game. You know, that's yep. basically, it was just basically a short passing game. We saw the downtick in the production of the run game. That's another reason, you know, I mean, McVay last year was using the pass to set up the run. You know, I think he does that a little bit. And also, you know, he kind of, I don't want to say because it's a different quarterback, but with Goff, he was in Goff's ear all the way down to the end. He was like, yeah. this is what you're doing. With Stafford, he's allowing Stafford to change the play at the line. Yeah. So, I mean, you got a quarterback, Stafford's ability changing the play. So, you know, there are going to be more audibles, probably less runs, you know, because Stafford is a gunslinger. Um, you know, just a couple spots on their schedule, week nine, they're playing the Bucks. Bucks are going to have extended rest. I always love the revenge spot from last year, losing in yep. the playoffs. Uh, week 12, they play the Chiefs. Chiefs have the Bengals on deck. That's the Chiefs Super Bowl. Chiefs definitely have that game circled. Um, you know, in week 15, they're at Green Bay on Monday Night Football, coming off in Green Bay, coming off a bye. Lambeau in the cold, you know, extended rest. I know the Rams have a Thursday night game the week before, but still, that's yeah. not two weeks off. So no. those are definitely some spots I like to, like, maybe if Stafford is hurt um, with his elbow, things a little bit bigger, you know, and they do have a couple, they do get off to, like, like they do, like, lose to the Bills and that, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. If they have three losses going in the bye, maybe there's some value right there. But I mean, this is definitely, you know, one of the teams that you have to think you have to say to yourself can win it all. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, they, I think they're probably, I got them in 11 wins, 11 and six. I think they're, they're probably pretty close to what their, their um, win totals was. I, if they're 10, seven, 11, six, wouldn't shock um, me. Um, the, the one thing is they're 12 and five last year, but they win totals 10.26 teams like that tend to under to come down at least yeah. one. Yeah. I have them like, I have them 10, 11 wins. Yeah. Um, I just think that the depth's a little bit of an issue. The early buy is a little bit of the issue. And like, if you just look at opposing, it's not an easy schedule. The schedule's not easy. They have, That's according to opposing teams, win percentage last year, they have the toughest schedule. Yeah. And cause, and you just, just looking at it, um, they, they can. I mean, they're certainly capable of beating any team on their schedule. Right? Oh yeah, sure. they can beat any team in any game. But they have a season opener against a motivated Bills team. Like this Bills team, they feel like they're they kind of got a chip on their shoulder this year. You know, they went out and made a couple moves in the off season. So I'd imagine they they are gonna you know be super super pumped for that game. Then they play um, all of their division rivals. Uh, they play back-to-back -back division rivals on the road, Arizona and San Fran. So divisional games, those won't be easy. Post by, you know, you have weeks eight through 12, San Francisco at Tampa, Arizona at New Orleans at Kansas city. That's not an easy stretch at all there where you've got three out of four games on the road and the road games are Tampa saints at KC. Um, not an easy four games to end the year at Green Bay, which is the one that you mentioned. Then you have Denver, then at the Chargers, and then at Seattle, who knows what's happening there. So, yeah, 10-11 for me. Um, and if they're healthy, week one of the playoffs, they're going to be tough. Can they get oh, there sure. with an older team, right? Stafford issues. Um, Aaron Donald's not getting any younger. Ramsey's not getting younger. Wagner's not getting younger. All of them. Cam Akers had had issues last year. 
Uh, Allen Robinson has had issues, like injury issues. He's getting a little bit older. So, yeah, yeah a lot of questions. A lot of questions. But, um, but still, I think you hit it right. You still feel probably a little safer about them falling off a cliff than maybe some of the other top teams. Yeah, I mean, you just you just kind of like take a piece of paper, write down the Rams issues, look at it, write down the Bucks issues, write down the 49ers issues, Green Eagles issues. issues. I mean, maybe yeah. the Eagles. I mean, maybe, maybe the Eagles are down. Like, I mean, yeah, Eagles, they got some questions with Hurts, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I think this team is right there. You know, yeah. the addition of Wagner's huge. So I, I like them. I think um, you know, in team in my power rankings for that are going to come out right before the season. They're going to be at two right behind. Yeah. The yeah. That's fit. That makes a lot of sense. They're, they're going to be a really good football team again this year. And I think you hit on something when we were talking in our BTV preview. And I agree with, I feel like Sean McVay is still learning. He's still a young dude. You know, yeah. we we've seen him coach for such a long time. He's been around for a while, but he, he's not, his coaching style doesn't sort of match like, what his reputation is, you know, he, people think that he's this really like great offensive mind. And he, he is, he does a great job with offenses, but he's not like a really aggressive high flying type play caller. He's no. very like, he has, it's very simple. A lot of his, um, a lot of his scheme. And then there are just variations on a couple simple things here and there. Like you said, short passing the pass to set up the run a little bit. He's not someone who, goes for it a whole bunch on fourth down either he's like he's a little passive when it comes to um his like how he uh how he schemes games so i do think he's improved and he even mentioned which i loved he said yeah bill belichick just owned me a few years ago well, which is right I mean, you know here's the thing my buddy goes to every super bowl with what he does like every super bowl he goes to um there's only one coach that he's seen out the night before McVay. And that was that, but he saw McVay that, that time. State. Yeah. Yep. This year, this past year. Nope. Didn't see McVay at all, but year nope. one saw McVay the night before at a steakhouse. Yep. And you know, that's, that's not good. You know, and, who, that, and you know, and what's funny is who knows, maybe he had a steak, He, but that's just, it's a red flag when you, you got it, you're at home before the biggest night of your life in your professional career, you got all this just, take a deep breath, sit there and watch a movie with your wife. You know what I mean? Like just don't even go anywhere or do anything. You're like, get focused, get your mind right. And maybe his mind is better now. Yeah, Sometimes get, that's what it yeah, takes. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes just go just through some of your growing pains. Like, you know, just, you know, quick run through in your head, different scenarios. But yeah, it was, I think he is learning. Um, I think giving, um, you know, Stafford a little bit freedom is huge. Stafford, you know, Everyone's seeing how good he is. You know, it's a pity Detroit treated him the way he did. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this, you know, top to bottom, one of the better teams, easily one of the handful of teams that could win it all this, this year. Let's get to the San Francisco 49ers. They have a win total of nine and a half that's highly juiced to the uh, the over. And San Francisco will have Trey Lance as their starting quarterback. Trey Lance uh, in the backfield. Elijah Mitchell will be the running back. Wide receivers, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. Juwan Jennings, lots of positives about Ayuk coming out of uh, camp. They seem to be really high on, on him and just how he's progressed over the last year or so. Kittle is a stud, obviously. And then with their offensive line, Trent Williams is fantastic. He's one of the best offensive linemen in the game. And their other tackle, Mike McGlinchey, that they brought in, he's actually very good too. So their tackles are, are excellent, but the middle of their offensive line, major 
major question marks here, Eric. Like, I just don't know how great this offense's line is going to be. Uh, unproven youngsters is the key. Second round guard, Aaron Banks, he only played five snaps as a rookie last year. And you have him at left guard. You have Jake Brendel at center. I mean, their guard situation and their center situation may not be great. Maybe it is. Who knows, right? But it's it's unproven with an unproven quarterback. Maybe Lance and these guys are all stars. But if they're not, this could get ugly. I mean, it could. there could be weeks where there's no flow to the offense. The center quarterback exchanges might not be great. There's a lot for Lance to have had to learn recently. There's a lot of movement and stuff in Shanahan's offenses. So, I mean, I could see weeks where Lance is feeling it, looking like steaming Willie Beeman out there, you yeah. know? And then other weeks where he just looks miserable and awful. And maybe that comes down to like a lot of their opponents, right? Who they play. If they play yeah. teams with good defensive fronts and defensive lines, then this team might have some trouble. Overall, I mean, they're still a pretty talented team. They have, you know, really, really strong defensive front. Yeah, which is able to blanket a lot of the stuff they do. Do That's the key to the defense. They only blitz 20% of the time, but they had the fifth most sats. Um, their, their ability, Bosa, Armstead, Killaw, their ability to get to the quarterback band-aids is a lot of the issues that they have in the back four because it's not a good secondary. Um, no. They, if one of those guys get hurt, that's definitely a little bit of a worry part. Um, you mentioned the offensive line. You know, they're 22nd in my offensive line. This is the lowest I've ever had. My notes on them is they have Trent Williams, arguably the best left tackle in the game. Everyone else is marginal at best. Um, you know, Mig, you mentioned uh, Mike. Lynchy. He's, Mike I mean, he's not great. Like, he's fine. He's, 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 he's better than a lot of up and down in his career. Yeah. There's never really been some consistent. So I'm really worried about them because you got when you have a good offensive line, it can kind of band-aid a young quarterback, kind of help him out a little bit. But, you know, this really isn't that good of an offensive line. So that's no. a real big issue for me. Um, I think the offense is going to look like what old man Shanahan did with RG3, RPOs, pistols, stuff like that during the Redskins days. Um, they made a very interesting draft choice with the issues that they have in the defensive um, secondary. And also with their issues on the offensive line, third round, they picked Tehran Davis Prince out of LSU. That makes me think the Mitchell injury is a little bit more severe than what's going on. If that yeah. makes sense. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, why would you use that high a draft capital on a running back where you drafted Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell last and year? And you like, got a runner quarterback. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got a quarterback that's – and your system, like, there's – it's all about system for them. Yeah, no, me neither. Me You're right. Um, you know, by the end of the day, I got two bets here. Um, when I just say it out loud, a quarterback that has 71 career passes, limited – 457 – Total drawbacks in college and pro yeah. combined. That is basically the equivalent to about three quarters of one season yeah. in the NFL. 75% yeah. of a year. That's like 13 games yeah. of an and NFL you just, season. You just say that out loud. A quarterback with little bit of experience playing behind an offensive line, only returning one defense with secondary issues, playing the fifth hardest schedule in the NFL. I mean – plus 160 not to make the playoffs makes sense to me. Um, I have them winning seven games. 
uh, you know, just kind of looking at their schedule. I know Chicago's definitely got their issues and everything, but you're traveling out east. You're playing against Eberfuse, good defensive system. That's tough. Uh, play Denver, another good team in week three defensively. Play the Rams. Week, I mean, week Monday. three through eight. Look at wh- where are the <laughs> wins in weeks three through eight? There aren't many at Denver. You play the Rams twice, so home and away. Carolina, you know, Carolina. At, at Carolina, defense, yeah. their defense is going to be better. And then you got a game against Kansas City in there. I mean, maybe you and beat Atlanta. Game against the Rams. It's just, I don't know. I'm really not high in this offensive Me? line. I know the zone scheme can kind of band aid a lot of the offensive line issues. So, you know, that's my first bet. My second bet. Everyone knows money makes the world go round. Um, Devo Sanders has a 650K bonus in his contract. If he has a rushing total of over 380 yards for the season, with that being said, his rushing prop is over 300 and a half yards. Week 10 is when the Niners started to use Devo in the backfield. He averaged seven carries, 43 yards a game. I just need Devo to average 26 yards per game to get to the 350 mark. And we've seen anyone that's close to these props toward the end of the year. They, they try give it to him. Yeah, they do. Especially with like how key Debo was to this team last year, <laughs> getting to the playoffs. He kind of put them on his back. If he's remotely close, they're going to got to reward that guy. Yeah, right. You, you, you got to give him that bonus. So I, I really like that um, situational spots in their schedule. I kind of mentioned it week five, they play the Panthers physical team. East Coast week before they play uh, the Rams. Monday Night Football against the, the Rams. Rams. So that's a short week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, week eight, they're playing the Rams coming off a bye. This is the Niners' third game in, in four weeks. Uh, the week before that, they're playing the Chiefs right after they play the Bills, maybe get the Chiefs a little bit of a flat spot. Week 10, they're coming off the bye. Chargers have the Chiefs on deck, kind of get a little value right there. They do, they do go to Met- Mexico City in week 11, yeah. so that's just always like mentioning when the teams have travel like that. Uh, week 16, they have extended rest against the Commanders. Commanders Commanders kind of got a short end of the stick with their schedule. Play a yeah, lot they did. Extended rest. Um, but yeah, I just... I don't not, know. not a bad... Just, if they... I agree with you. I'm not high on them. I, I think they're not eight, nine, nine, and eight. I, that's where I have them either way, uh, one or the other. The The real key will be can they be close enough to 500 to where their last four weeks or their last four games are doable? Oh, the you know, last four games are insanely doable. And they're so if they're at that point, part. if they're at five or six wins, they got a shot, right? They definitely have they, a shot. If they can get to nine or ten, that might put them in a wild card spot. I think nine. Me too. I think nine wins gets you a wild wow. card in the NFC. I agree. So if they're at, you know, Sunday, December eleventh, after that Tampa game, even if they only have five wins there, if they have six, they're they're still in okay shape. We see this every year where one or two teams wins three or four games in a row at the end because they have, you know, that's where their schedule gets soft. So, I yeah. I'm just, we're going to see a couple awesome Trey Lance games, but I just don't think he's that good. You know, like I think against bad teams, he will be able to run and maybe pick up some really like big statistic type games. But I just like, I don't think driving against a good team, can he make the throws that you need to make? Yeah, he can... like also like no one really had cut, no one really had tape on him last year. People are gonna have tape, they're gonna know his tendencies. I know people are getting excited for him running around in the practice field with shorts on throwing the ball. That really does nothing for me. I just he's got some deficiencies, you know. I just I can't we can't just pencil just, this guy in. He hasn't yeah. done enough. 
to just assume that he's going to come in and be fine, like, and just be, uh, you know, an NFL quarterback. So last year, you just look at him. The Niners were 12th in passing yards and passing TDs and have the fourth fewest passing attempts. That's efficient. I mean, I I mean, like Jimmy G, he's got his issues, no doubt. But there's no way Lance is going to have that amount of efficiency. You know what I'm saying? So so what they're going to try to do is – it's going to be a, a lot of a different style. Oh, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be like RG three, like pistol, R, RPO, and then short. big deep shot, yeah. like yeah. a deep shot here and there because Jimmy G couldn't really throw deep very much and he couldn't run. He only had 182 yards rushing in five years. Lance had 168 rushing in six games, but this is going to be a different offensive line. That's the problem too. Is this isn't like last year's San Francisco offensive line that you put Trey Lance behind and you're like, oh, we've got this really good top five offensive line. And now they're just going to create holes for him and he can just kind of sit behind them and run. I don't think it's going to be that. I, um, I think yeah. they're going to struggle. I think it's going to be a long year in San Francisco. Um, I think there's, I think there's going to be some spots we can kind of bet on them, but bet against them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't, I'm not high on them either. I'm not, I'm not high on them either. And then, it's and that's and that's sort of why I keep coming Here's back. The thing, like Lynch, we need to remember. Like a lot of people give the Bears shit for excuse my language for training up for um what's his face Trubisky. The 49ers drafted some defensive guy who's out of the league. You know that that and now you did the stuff and you know it was initially going to be for Mac Jones and then you like take Trey Lance. If Lance fails. This offense, this um, front office has to start getting some of the blame for the, the deficiencies in this. You know what I mean? Like, you, you use a top three pick, you trade a lot, you get him, you know, another top pick not doing it. And, you know, this team with Garoppolo, even though I know he can't throw the deep ball, Super Bowl appearance and an NFC championship appearance where if your DB can make an interception, you have two Super Bowl appearances. I, a lot of teams would die for that. Yeah. Um, and uh, man, I, it's just the division. The only thing I'm, I'm with both of them is that I just don't think the NFC is that strong. And I don't think this division is that great. So can they by process of default and maybe by a good coaching staff, win an extra game or two, but not enough to get me excited about wanting to play them. Like you said, plus money to miss the playoffs is yeah. a bet that I think is, I'd prefer than make the playoffs with them. Yeah. Um, I mean, even toward the end of the season, like if you're in a position, you know, and you really are hit up for ca- hard up for cash, you, you can, know, you can hedge yeah. out of it. You're, you're in a good position. I'm really yep. not that worried about it. So no, let's move on to Arizona. Eric, man, so much bad buzz coming out of Arizona in the off season so far since last year, Kyler Murray gets a big contract, but written into his contract are these, uh, he has these conditions to where he has to study a certain amount of hours per week uh, on his own, which just shows you that this organization isn't confident in him being the type of guy that can lead your team. Basically they're not confident in him being a quarterback, right? They're co- He's fine as a running back or a receiver, but he can't be like a leader in call plays and, and no schemes. He doesn't do the work. Cliff Kingsbury basically said, yeah, when I let him call plays, I'm like, what the hell is he doing? He said, I wouldn't want to be a quarterback if he was the coach calling plays. 
they are trying to replace Chandler Jones. And I don't know how they're going to do that with some rookies. They, in the off season, had their new big wide receiver that they brought in get arrested for driving 126 miles an hour. They had a running back coach, James Saxton, was placed on administrative leave due to felony domestic battery charges. I mean, just bad with the coaching, bad with the players, head coach, and your quarterback, weird stuff here and there. And oh yeah, your best playmaker, Hopkins, he's suspended for six games for PEDs. I mean, interesting. <laughs> I mean, Not a lot of positives, huh? You kind of look at it like this. Um, number one, Hollywood Brown with how Kingsbury likes to run the offense really doesn't make sense. That move was made to make Kyler Murray happy. Number two. Because they were um, buddies. They played in yeah. college together. That's you know, there's this school. whole rabbit hole that I can go down about Kyler's Murray's agent and stuff going on there that I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole because I'm lucky enough where I know people. I've vet a lot of stuff. There, there's this whole different realm with his agent and Kyle Mur- Kyler Murray with money and everything. Um, offensive line, awful. Um, DJ Humphreys and um, Rodney Hudson really struggled. They were 18th in pass blocking, 31st in run blocking. They did nothing to address that issue or even draft people that are going to be able to fill in for them if they do struggle. Uh, number two, Kyler Murray on the field. What teams started to do is – they would just have a linebacker spy on him, just run a, run on the line, spying him. That took away his rushing ability. That forced him to pass. Wasn't as good when they did that. Um, in terms of defense, how Van Joseph likes to play, they do this wide nine. So that is the offensive line is here. The defensive ends are outside of them. So there's supposed to be gaps for the linebackers to push the gaps because the tackles have to push out and attack the guards. It's just, it's a system that when it first came in, it, it worked because no one would know what to do. But now with how sophisticated offenses are and the tape study and they know how to do it, and, you, and it's really easy to run against. And when you play a McVay and a Shanahan running scheme twice a season, so four times, you know, it's it, it's just tough. Um, so I'm really not a fan there. And, um, you know, the last couple of years, they tend to like tank down the stretch. And I just really feel it's, they start off the season. You're coming off a of camp. Everyone's in great shape, and you, you have four and wide receiver, four five receiver sets. You're playing at a fast pace. By week eight, by week nine, people are banged up. You can't play as fast. You need to let people rest. And when you play fast, it's just you need to know as a coach. And this is why I love Arthur Smith. I think he's by far the best coach at doing this. Understanding when to play fast, when to play slow, and just understanding what a moderate pace is. Yeah. And I really think Kingsbury just knows fast, 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 because he comes from the air raid system in college. And the college game and the NFL game are just well, night and day completely different. It's perfect example, right? If you throw 100 miles an hour and your ball doesn't move, after one at bat, major leaguers are going to square you up. Yeah. Right? If you only have one pitch, if you only, if you're an NBA player and you're really, really fast, well, that's great. But the guys that are the best are the are a lot of the times are guys like Chris Paul who can like change pace real quick, right? Slow yeah. and then real quick, like just kind of take that step. And that's what we have not seen from Cliff. Th- does this no. sound like positive stuff? Cliff Kingsbury quote he said, you know, for example, uh, I wanted Kyler to call some offensive plays last week. I just wanted him to know this shit ain't easy. 
Kingsbury said, because every now and then he looks at me and he starts shaking his head when I'm calling plays and he go and I go, and I said to him, all right, go ahead, big dog. So he did a good job. It's just, I would not want to play for Kyler Murray if I was a quarterback and he was the coach. The the thing I'm looking forward to the most is I've, I'm, a, I'm finally caught up on, was it hard knocks? Hard knocks. There you go. Yep. Cardinals are going to be the in season. They, they got, so, Oh my gosh. So oh. at least that's going to be, excuse me. Oh, that'll be great. I, so. I mean, yeah, I just, I look at their, their roster, um, their offensive line. They have one of the oldest offensive line in the league. Five starters week one are going to be over 30 years old. And so these guys are on the back end of their career. One or two of them gets hurt. I mean, they're major injury possibilities for all of them. Their entire defense is projected by the the major projection sites that I look for. And I, I use a lot. I love to watch the games, watch stuff, make my own notes. And then I like to read projections and see where it matches and see where things are off and what's, what's spot on and pro football focus and football outsiders thinks their defense is going to be awful. They have their secondary as one of the worst secondaries. They were 24th in team coverage grade last year. And they may be even worse this year. They are going to have two rookies try to replace Chandler Jones production on the edge. He was incredible. And one of the best edge rushers in four of his six seasons with the Cardinals, they've got JJ Watt, but JJ Watt is good on the opposite side of Chandler Jones. When you don't have Chandler Jones there anymore, JJ Watt isn't the same JJ Watt. Like he used to be, he can't produce that way. So they have a bad offense, a bad defensive front, a bad secondary and a bad middle of their defense. I mean, they have yeah, there's nothing really Collins and Simmons on. have been really disappointing linebackers. Their first round picks. Um, I mean, they, I mean, again, with the system they're playing in, it doesn't fit what they're doing. It's no. not like, and we need to remember this. Like a lot of these guys are talented as hell. You know, we're going to talk about drew lock in a second. Who's to say if Drew Locke didn't go and have like a better Reed, coach, right? You know I mean? If or he goes Rich. where Patrick Mahomes goes, yeah. you know, I mean, like you get these coaches and you're just kind of set up to like, I don't use the term set up to fail, but you're not getting, you're not in a system that fits what you do best. And that's what Simmons and Le- and um, Collins are. They're not in systems that fit, fit best. And that's, I think if these guys were like, hypothetically, let's say Miami, if these guys were with how the Dolphins play defense. I think these guys would thrive, but with you hear like with how, with this wide nine system, it's just not a good fit. And in football, it's, it's obviously different because in football, you sort of like in football, a coach can't come in with their players. And like, you have to have a scheme and a plan as a football coach, right? You have to have a system in basketball. You can come in with your group of guys and, and you can, work different systems to your players because you only have five players on the court. It's way different, right? Football, you've got to have a system and a way you're doing things. And so if your personnel doesn't match the system, it's square peg in a round hole. It's exactly. There's not a whole lot you can do in the NFL. In basketball, you go, okay, hey, look, I'm a coach. This is going to be my style. We're going to run a little bit. We've got some of these aging players. We can make a trade or two, get some young guys that can run. And now we've got players that fit my system, Right. Like yeah. you can, you can do that. You can't do that in football. You, oh. you, you can't make those kind of moves. And so you have coaches that are sort of stubborn 
because they're football coaches and they've they've been successful enough to be an NFL coach. So they're telling you, hey, this is my scheme. You have to do it. But the players that you have to have the right type of players, they don't to run the system. And they just aren't, they're less talented than they were last year when they cratered last year and they overachieved early in the year. I just, I think this could be a bad team this year, Eric. Um, I don't like their schedule at all either. I mean, weeks one through five, right off the bat, they play Kansas City. They have games against Kansas City, the Rams, and Philly in weeks one through five. Those are three good football teams. And then they have to play road games at the Raiders and at Carolina. I don't trust them on the road until I see that they are better than I think. I think this is like a six win team, six or seven wins. I I, I think I love their under eight and a half as one of my best bets on team total unders or like uh, team win totals this year. Yeah. I like that one a lot too. Um, I I'll be honest though. I didn't bet it. It's just, you have a lot of plays, right? You pick and choose what your plays yeah, I mean, are. Like, here's the thing with how much dissension there obviously is with Kingsbury. Like we saw this team look a lot better when Colt McCoy was actually the quarterback when Murray went down. What's to say that Kingsbury, they, they start off, where is their schedule? I'm sorry, their schedule. Kansas City. Yeah, so they, let's say they start off 0 and 5, okay? Fire Kingsbury. Fire Kingsbury. You come in, you play Seattle, who we're both down on. You get New Orleans on a short week. That's two wins. You play... Um, Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota has a short week there. Okay. Now, boom, now you're up to, now you're at three wins. And then you get boom, Seattle again. Get, and then you're back Seattle to four. Again. You, can, four you can rattle off four wins in a row. Right there. And then you, you know, then you're, so yeah. So, I mean, there's just, I don't know. There's just like, and then you have Atlanta and then I'm down on San Francisco. So you have two wins, two games at the end of the season. So that's the only like, thing about NFC win totals. The first going to be the first coach fired i like that can so, you find can you find that price somewhere have can you find that let's see if we can find that real quick i'm curious what the odds are on that cliffy as the first coach fired because that's what is scary about the nfc win totals this team may not be a good team but they still may be able to win a couple games because the nfc is wide open and kind of weak but i i mean after the bye the pats at denver tampa at atlanta at san fran that's not easy they have a Mexico game in there. Um, obviously, you know, home in, in a ways with the Rams and with San Francisco. The weeks 10, 11, 12, Rams, uh, San Fran, Chargers, not easy there. Yeah, I just I don't I don't feel positive about this team. I'm looking at it right now. Uh I mean, granted, this is from the, the summer, but he's uh 12 to 1. Man, yeah, that's rural. a great price. That is a great price because McCarthy four and a half, Carroll six to one. Because here's the thing, right? And they just paid both of those guys. Cliff got an extension, and so did Kyler. But the difference is, Kyler's not going anywhere. He, you just paid this guy a bunch of money to be your guy. So if if Kyler and Cliff don't like each other, and five weeks through they're losing, and Kyler's got bad body language and stuff, Cliff's gone. You're not trading Kyler. You know what I mean? Like Kyler's not going to be the guy that you're moving. You're getting rid of Kingsbury immediately. So. I like that play too. I think Cliff Kingsbury first coach fired and uh 12 to one ish look around there. Not, not positive vibes for this Arizona Cardinals team. Uh, anything else to mention for AZ Eric? Uh, no, looking forward to hard knocks, man. 
Yeah, yeah, that'll be, you're right. That'll be really good. Okay, let's finish up with the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle is the final NFL team that we're going to get into. They have a new defensive coordinator, Clint Hurt, uh, and they brought in former Bears DC. So you you are someone who points this kind of things out a lot. Their scheme may look a little different on the defensive side. They actually may have like more of a, a Fangio style, some blitzes, some different looks in the secondary. Positives for Seattle, a good group of wide receivers, and a pretty good group of running backs. Even yeah. with Chris Carson out, they still have Rashad Penny. They drafted Kenneth Walker. And they have DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and a pretty good tight end, Noah Fant. So their playmakers are good on the offensive side of the ball. The problem is their quarterbacks, their starting quarterback might be the, the worst, right, in the league. It I, might end up being one of the worst, like bottom yeah. three to five, whoever it is, Geno or, or Locke. So, like, to back up to the defense, you know, like you said, they're switching. They're going to a 3-4, blitzing more. By blitzing, generating pressure, they're going to be able to hide the deficiencies that they, they do have in the back four. The secondary is um, awful. And back in the Legion of Boom days, it was kind of like the quarterback rolls to the right, the DBs would kind of roll, or rolls up. The, the DBs would kind of roll with the quarterback. And it was kind of like a like a matchup zone. Now it's just like a straight zone. This is your spot. You stay here totally taking all the freedom away from them. So you need to be able to create some pressure to band-aid that issue. Um, the number one thing I look at when I, when I look at these quarterback process is how they step into a throw. Drew Locke steps in, throws a ball of confidence. Um, I think arm talent wise, I think he's got some great arm talent. I think he's just a system of like pro of how can I say this poor coaching at the NFL level because of yeah. that. His career is basically done. Um, there's some top tier talent. Four quarterbacks are projected to be in the top ten in next year's draft. Six in the top in the first round. So what's, what's nice I mean, about where yeah. he is right now, if he gets a chance to play, there's no pressure on him. Yeah, there's no pressure in this situation and what, at all. And what the offensive coordinator wants to do, who came from the Rams, him and Russell Wilson butted heads because Wilson wants to extend the play, let a schoolyard ball, throw it down the field. Shane Walden, their offensive coordinator, a lot of quick passes, Dick get the and ball out in space. You know, just like 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 what the Rams do, four, yeah. three four steps. Drop, Brady Brady kind of stuff too. Quick yeah, quick passing as your running Cup. game. Yeah, get it to Cooper Cup in space. They're going to try to get to DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett in space. A little bit of a change in scheme, um, offensive line. So first first twelve games, they only averaged eighty seven yards per carry. Offensive line coach was fired. They promoted Andy Dickerson. The last six games, they averaged 176 yards. So that was good. They did kind of give a facelift. They got this kid, Abraham Lucas, another kid, Charles Cross. Issue with them, you mentioned it earlier today um, when we are doing the BTV show. They come from an air raid system. Now, those, those offensive linemen tend to struggle first year because it's a completely different game. It's not the quick air raid system. So when you got to hold your blocks a little bit different yeah. and you got to so like, could yes. those guys pick it up? Yeah. Sure. But what history has showed us is there's a one year buffer to get used to the change. And you've got two of them starting on the same offensive line that you're depending on. That's at what's the going tackle to hurt. Position. Yep. At the tackle position. That's, so, that's hurt. It's going to be know, tough. You Gabe know. Jackson's, been yeah, yeah, Gabe Jackson a right tackle, Damian Lewis at left guard. Uh, D- sorry, J- Gabe Jackson right guard, Damian Lewis left guard. Jackson's been his his 
play has been down, going down and down and down his production throughout the year. So that, I mean, like you said, you have them and all the projections I'm looking at have them as like a bottom three offensive line. Supposed to be one of the worst. I have them, my my 31st, right? My bottom three coming in with the worst offensive line, the Chicago Bears, the next worst offensive line, Seattle Seahawks, the next worst Pittsburgh Steelers. So (laughs) they're in in that group. It's not a good group to be in, but you know, but here's the thing, like, and we, we, you and I do it every year. The team, the shittiest teams, excuse my language. We're going to play this team a lot this year. And we're going to end up playing Seattle a lot this year. We are. You know, I already know week seven chargers coming off Monday night football at the Broncos week 12 off a of bye. Raiders play the Broncos chargers the week after yep. Seattle's going to be getting points there. Seattle's going to be a very live dog in that week. What week is it? Week 12 spot where they're hosting the Raiders, the Raiders, off they are the live there. They, they yeah. they're going to straight up win that game. Yep. Um, you know, week 15, hosting the 49ers on Thursday night football. 49ers play the Bucks the week before. I'm not saying they're going to win, but they're going to be getting like four and a half, five points at that. I'm going to definitely be taking that. Um, you know, so it's just kind of certain things like that, just kind of spot plays, maybe some second half stuff. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like, could we see? I think Carroll's earned enough street cred where he gets out of the season. I don't think they're going to fire him with what he's done for the franchise. No, because what um, do you, you don't expect this team this yeah, year? Yeah, this team this team's lining up to get uh, the kid from Ohio State, the kid from Alabama, the kid from Kentucky. Because the then what you do Miami. is you bring in your new coach and you let and you tell them next year, hey, look, you have a pick. Yeah. We have a we have a top pick. You can go yeah, get which your guy. Quor- which Who quarterback do you want? Do you want? And you then come in and then they can start. You can get a really good rebuild to start all over. You're right, Pete. Yeah. They have Pete in here. They tell Pete, "Hey, you just tell you just retire. You've He's, done so much. You you were awesome for this. What else are you going to do? You're 80 years old. Here's the thing. He's 70, dude. Right, he, I know. Dude, like, he, so looked, he some, looks fantastic. He does. I mean, like, dude, he looks better than me, and I'm like, he's got like 40 years on me. You I know. know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. Like, it's just one of those teams. They're going to struggle this year, but they're going to be a fun team to back in certain spots just because, you know, of how they're going to play. So and just think about if, if that offensive line, if they can just get between the offensive line and the quarterback, whoever it is, Locke or Geno Smith playing, if the, the combination of that can just not be a disaster they should at least be able to move the ball a little bit. Like we said, they have two competent wide receivers. They have a competent tight end and they have multiple running backs that are competent. So all of those guys there are fine. If you can get them to ball the ball or if they have space to operate, but if they don't have any space behind a line or they don't have any time to get open, well, then you're going to be in some serious trouble. They're going to struggle a lot. I mean, they're they're not going to be a good team. They're going to have one of the worst records in the league. But they will be a team that I think, like we said, you and I are going to be playing them a lot because maybe they get beat up early in the year and then their lines start to get inflated. All of a sudden, they're double-digit dogs all the time. They're big home dogs all the time. I mean, they will have winnable home games against Atlanta, the Giants, Arizona, the Raiders, Carolina, and the Jets. All of those games. None of those teams are incredible. I mean, none of those teams are teams that you look at and you say Seattle is better than. But if any of those teams come into Seattle 
and they think they're better than Seattle and they take Seattle lightly, Seattle will beat them. For sure. That, For sure. And that's Seattle's what's going to happen. To play, so. Yeah, it's not an easy place to play. There's some positive things about their defensive front. They, they, they're excited about some of the, the defensive front and their linebackers because they actually got rid of Bobby Wagner. The re- and the reason why they did, he, he was getting older, but they felt pretty excited about um, what they have so far. Jordan Brooks, ascending star. He's going to get more playing time this year. And then Cody Barton is someone who's going to get a chance to start this year. So they they like some of the youth that they have there, but damn, their offensive line and that secondary could be really, really miserable. And that could really hurt them quite a bit. I have them winning four, four games. You know, uh, I have I think, ceiling. I have ceiling six, bottom yeah. three. Sure, and that makes sense. They're over under five and a half, and I think they're right in that range, um, right where they uh, they could be anywhere I mean, there. A lot of that depends on like fringe stuff, like if Arizona stuff hits the fans. San Francisco, right? Trey Lance, and th- and that's both teams in the division. That that's yeah, four. Both. That's four games for them. All of a sudden, so, Stafford gets banged up, and that's another two games where you're facing Wofford instead. Now all of a sudden. Their six games in their division look a little bit easier. Maybe they can win two of them that we thought they might have lost all six. Yeah. So there's, there's some stuff there. So, so uh, we've done it, my friend. We've got all of the NFL teams in the books. So next week, you want to do a fantasy? Yeah, we'll we can just hit next week. For yeah, we'll do a little. We'll do a little fantasy. We'll just kind of we'll go through positions. We'll mention a couple people from each position group that we want to maybe target and maybe to avoid. You know, we'll hit a few receivers that we like that we don't a few quarterbacks that we like that we don't and uh we'll get everybody set up for fantasy man i'm pumped i love this time you and i are going to be talking a lot of football this year we'll have the preview show on better than vegas on sunday morning so it'll be perfect early in the week we can talk like always go through all the games and then any information that happens like leading up to game we'll have the up to the minute info so we can, if we need to make any changes after we've already talked about all the games on my show earlier in the week, we can make adjustments before Sunday, give everybody some extra DFS stuff. I love the way the schedule is going to be this year. I'm, I'm pretty pumped for it. And uh, we're also going to do some college football. We're going to have a little college show on Friday. So looking forward to it, my friend. We're going to be talking quite a bit now over the next uh, six months or so. Grind time, man. I'm looking forward to it, my friend. Okay. Uh, I know that you are uh, always doing a million things. Tell us about where we can follow you. Tell us about the content and uh, what's going to be coming up your way. Uh, next few days. You know, I'm taking another week off from the podcast here in uh, here in MI, standing with the calm parents. before the storm. Yeah, so I'm going to take take another week off for the live stream every Tuesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern. Um, we, I am one behind. I started mine a little later. We have the previewing. Oh my god, which one is it? The North of the AFC next week. Uh, my boy Sterling from Silver Star Sports is going to come on. Nice. Him and I are going to talk a little uh, AFC North, and then uh, the podcast will start back up and, uh, you know, back in the grind. Thank you oh, so much. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Jim and myself will be doing a quick little – I think we're doing a Twitter space Saturday morning with our, our bets for week zero. Awesome. Cool. I'll make sure I'll, uh, I'll push that out there too. And then next week, starting week one, we'll do a little uh, Friday evening show at around six o'clock PM Eastern time to give uh, everybody a little prep for Saturday college football. Thank you so much, buddy. We are all set up for NFL. We'll talk some fantasy next week. And I look forward to uh, picking your brain more on that and getting set up for some of the fantasy drafts. Looking forward to it, man. Talk soon. Make sure to give Eric a follow. Check out uh, Etoff21 on Twitter. And that's 
where you can get a lot of the content. Eric will always post all of the uh, the shows, all of the segments, all of the the work that he does up there. Folks, don't go anywhere. We have a lot more to discuss on this episode, and I am I'm feeling it. It's football time. I'm feeling a little froggy right now. Yeah. Got the bounce in the step. NFL on the way. Stay tuned, folks. Big thank you to Eric for helping us out there, and we will finish up next week talking some fantasy football, getting everybody all primed and ready for their fantasy football drafts, and we'll go through each positions and telling uh, telling you some players that we are going to target this year, some players that we are going to avoid. Great work from Eric. Let's finish up talking some wrestling. Chad Cooper's back this week to help us out with this week in wrestling. It's a Really, really fun time in wrestling. Great buzz all over the place. AEW, while I don't agree with some of the the things they've been doing recently, they got a big number last night. So a lot of people watched. We'll see if those people that tuned in liked what they saw. Maybe they continue to stay around. If not, um, maybe it was a bad night to do what they did. But we talk about it with Chad Cooper, all the drama going on at AEW, positive, negative stuff. Then we get into WWE where things seem really positive as of late with Triple H taking over. Chad Cooper joins for this week in wrestling. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. It's time to talk wrestling, and there's a lot to talk about this week. He's back from a week on assignment when uh, when nobody knew where Tom Brady was. It's because <laughs> Chad Cooper was doing a personal photo shoot with Tom Brady. Uh, we'll see those photos come out sometime uh, very soon. Koopaloop, my man, how we doing? I'm doing fantastic, Gino. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a great intro. I, I, <laughs> uh, I, I told uh, Giselle. Uh, his wife said, "Hey, look, it's, it's just me and Tom's day, yep. um, so uh, you're you're gonna have to back off and let the boys be the boy." In, boys in my boy. head, I keep thinking <laughs> of like the uh, the scene from Top Gun, the volleyball scene. You know, yeah. you guys are yeah. out there with yeah, the- <laughs> you got the yeah, shirt, got yeah. The shirt. our shirts are off. Yeah, you know, just, that's what I'm seeing right now. Just some real glasses on <laughs> There's some real bro energy going on out there so oh, yeah. we had a lot of that this week in wrestling and you know what we're gonna flip the script a little bit this week we're gonna start with a little aew because there was uh some interesting <laughs> stuff to talk about coming off of dynamite coming off the last week or so coop um next weekend you and i are recording on thursday august the 25th and next weekend the first weekend in September is going to be a humongous wrestling weekend because on Saturday, it's going to be the Clash at the Castle pay-per-view for WWE. Then on Sunday, NXT is going to have a show in the morning when worlds collide. Then following that, it's going to be AEW All Out. So there is going to be a 24-hour period <laughs> where there are three wrestling shows and, and pretty big ones. So we're leading into those shows and AEW has they they're in a weird place because they've had a couple of their big returns recently with Kenny Omega and CM Punk that were out for a long time be, uh, due to injury and then there's been this weird sort of drama backstage 
it, it, I kind of started maybe even back with Cody leaving and then MJF, and we've just been hearing more and more about it, it not being perfect there, Coop, which is something that you and I talked about, and it wasn't like we're saying it because we dislike AEW. It's just any company, any, any industry, it'll be kind of exciting and fun right off the bat, but then people are people. We're all humans. There are emotions when people don't. Not everybody can be treated like a top star And we we see people on TV And then we don't see them People get pushed and then they don't get pushed And people probably get you know promised things And then they don't get them So there's been a lot of negative energy backstage In, in a lot of the things that we've been hearing and reading Over the last few weeks Yeah, <clears throat> unfortunately uh, Where there's smoke, there's fire And I, of course You can't believe everything you read on the dirt sheets You can't nope. believe everything you, you read On social media but as you said, there's there's been um, some issues that's now coming out, uh, you know, to light now, and it's not a good sign. Um, it, it's just not because um, it's at a bad time right now. Because while <laughs> this is happening, there's this really good energy over on WWE since Triple H right. took over. Right, it's sort of flipped. It's not like when Vince was there six months ago, and people are still like, "Ah, TV's kind of a little stale and boring," and Vince is going to have his guys, and no one, you know, NXT doesn't even matter. And this, there's this whole different energy right now about WWE. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that it the WWE change has has been so positive and. So aggressive in the manner that they've done it, and it's really, really started to expose AEW, uh, their model for what it is. Um, as you said, you go back to Cody Rhodes. Um, I think it, 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 when it goes from there, I think they've signed way too many people. Mm-hmm. There's not enough time, and we've been saying this for weeks and weeks and weeks. There hasn't been enough storyline build, enough consistencies. Now no one's even talking about the actual good match or two that they have on TV each week. They're starting to focus in on on now on all the negatives. And, you know, last night, you know, uh, you and I questioned two weeks ago, um, was CM Punk coming back too early? Uh, it, it sort of felt like des- desperation a little bit, and when you watch that show last night, when your when your world championship is in the middle of your show, and for whatever reason it's only a couple of minutes long, and then you have a promo later in the show of Moxley basically burying CM Punk, you've got to think the days of CM Punk being around AEW may be. This is this like let me say this is weird so we're gonna get right into dynamite and I mean obviously we don't have to wait because the the main thing coming out of dynamite we'll talk about some of the other stuff that happened was Moxley beat Punk in a three minute squash match where Punk went for a kick he hit Moxley with a kick and then when he landed he started selling the foot injury now there were some things that were weird about this. One, he sold the foot injury on the opposite foot than he used to kick, which which can happen, right? You can you can land on the plant foot. Then that's not okay. That's that's one thing, sure. It just sort of looked weird because then he came down, he's selling the different foot. And then after that, Moxley just beats the crap out of him. Moxley like blasts him in the neck with elbows. 
and then just crushes him. And I saw people comparing this to like Lesnar, Cena, Lesnar, Goldberg. The and and I understand those comparisons. I think the difference is though with this, um, those those guys have those style of matches. Those are a little bit more of who they are. I mean, we've we've seen Moxley on TV in recent weeks going 15 minutes with people that you don't ever see again that are on dark. Right. And then he has a match with Punk where he beats Punk in two or three minutes. That, of, and of and course, you've gotta, Gino, you've got to think, okay, number one, why was this match in the middle of the card? Did they it, know he's it, hurt? Did they know going into this? Because if it was, why did you rush it back? If you knew it was going to be bad, just let you, it be there bad. Was, into the show. It was, it was poorly d- so they put it in the middle of the card because if they put it on with five minutes left to go in the show, people would be like, What the hell? The main event's gonna go five minutes. But they should have put it on with like 30 minutes to go in the show. Yeah. 40 yeah. minutes to go in the show. And then it could go quick, and then you could have the match or two after. And they didn't set it up like they normally would do as well either. Because you knew there was Ricky Starks coming later. You you knew there was stuff coming after this. It, it it was weird. It was like they didn't want this to be the last thing on the show. And and then honestly, I think that was worse. I feel like if you just had this go on at the end of the show, it might have been better. But then having a whole nother hour of TV after, I, I couldn't even focus on what was going on. And there was good stuff after. Like I, I couldn't get back into what was happening. And I will say – For as much negative as I personally am going to say about what they did, they do have people talking. So there is that. If you were trying to get people talking when everyone was talking about Gargano or or WWE recently, people are definitely talking about AEW today. But are they going to want to buy a pay-per-view in a week from right now where they have no main event listed for the title? And especially, you know, with Punk uh, last week. You know, we, we we got a much better version of Punk when, uh, you know, he, he returned, won the title. Unfortunately, he got hurt. Um, and then last week we hear there's rumors that he was not, you know, there was disgruntled, you know, employees in the back, the locker room. Um, there was rumors that they paid him uh, a decent amount of money to show up. Last Wednesday night on Dynamite, not this past Wednesday, but last week's, and then now this, and then the promo was a little bizarre. Uh, Moxley later, hey, he just he buried Punk again. Yeah. yeah. So I, I I just I don't know if it's the honeymoon period is definitely over, and then when the Vince McMahon stepping down slash getting fired, whatever you want to call it, you know, people didn't know what was going to happen to WWE. They really didn't know. It's like, okay, maybe this is AEW's chance to finally show they belong on the same level. I know they've got a lot of, you know, former WWE wrestlers, but they're just, they're the two television, the three television programs, the Monday, Friday, and Wednesday, they're just not on the same level. So I thought, okay, this is, this is probably going to hurt WWE more than, more than you know it. And Maybe it did, and we just don't know. But I can tell you this, and maybe it will. Maybe it will in the long run, right? Maybe, maybe because because there is a little for for what we're saying about AEW. 
there's a little bit of that right now with WWE in that they're kind of in this honeymoon period with Triple H, right? Yeah. A lot of people are kind of excited, tuning back in. Hey, Triple H is going to maybe, you know, give these people from NXT a chance. He's going to rehab some of these guys and gals. And maybe he and does right off. That's a concern. Off, I, that, you know? My first concern was with all these people coming back, it's been fantastic. The ratings have been great. Yep. They've been nothing but good. But also, you don't want to start bringing a lot of people back, you know? Because then you have a lot of people on that roster that's not being used, and maybe there's a lot of injuries that we don't know about. You know, there could you be. don't. You're right. You don't want to get in so the don't same. But AEW does, and just start bringing them back. But I, they're on fire. So this is like I said. This definitely has exposed AEW a little bit, and it this this shows you how good WWE can really be. And then you look on this side of it, you've got a pay-per-view. This is supposedly their biggest of the year. Their Labor Day pay-per-view for AEW has been on the books, supposedly their biggest of their biggest of the year. And now what we're is this year three, year four that we're going into AEW, and we're kind of a mess right now. You know, um, we just are. And you have your world champion, you have an interim title, then you had a unification match, which should not have taken place. And you, even if you don't like CM Punk, okay, you don't want to see him go out like this because, unfortunately, this is what you remember a lot of these athletes for. Of course, Jordan, can, you know, he came back, didn't do as well. He went to number 45, then he came back to 23. But some of these guys and gals hang on too long, and it just it, – it, it scars their career, and you think – uh, is he in it too long? You know, you know, it's, it's kind of same with Goldberg a little bit. You know, you remember his wrestling career, but not going 70-something and 0 in WCW and then what he did in WWE. But do you really want to see CM Punk do this? I mean, was it money? Is he hurt? Was Is this a write-off? Okay, th- there, this, is, this is, I love where you're going because I literally had written down, let's, let's entertain all the possibilities here real quick because there are three or four of them. Okay, number one, is Punk hurt? Okay, if he's hurt, there's nothing they can do about that, right? No, no, nothing. If he actually got hurt, and they and they started the match at at that point because they wanted to do the hey, we'll let this go for thirty minutes and then say hey, we wanted to have it go possibly be maybe it went an hour like that. I'm fine with that, right? We don't know. Maybe a title match can go an hour, so we wanted to give it an hour if it was going to go all the way. This match went. You know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes And then if that was what the plan was going to be, that's fine And then he ends up getting hurt, nothing you can do about it Okay, right? let me stop you there So, in that instance, playing devil's advocate What, after that match Did you think, oh, this could have been cut Or this went too long Was there any of that that you can go back and look And say, okay, this would have probably been cut This would have probably been cut The, the main event match just would have been 15 minutes instead of sure. 30 Fair enough. They they ended up. I think they ended up having those guys go thirty. Yeah, fair they, enough. Okay, I got uh, you. instead of fifteen. Yeah. But but you're right. They didn't. No, and I can and, and I can I can see that. I can see that. And, and was it who used to do that? Was it like WCW or NW? One of them used to say, well, "We're going to put this match on, and then we have bonus matches." Yes, in, in yeah. case. And I loved yeah. that. I liked yeah. that afterwards. Sure. And it was like Good okay. Point. And but but then you would know that they were bonus matches. Because it'd be like jobber, jobber, you know what I mean? Like it'd be like two, like two single tag team wrestlers would come out at, after and wrestler or something <laughs> like that. But um, <laughs> exactly. Okay, so if he's hurt, 
bad luck for AEW, right? Sure. And they've had a lot of that bad luck recently. So nothing anybody can do about that if he's hurt. They they actually made the best of the situation. Moxley beats the crap out of him. They make Moxley look strong. And now you have a week or to figure out what you want to do to set up your pay-per-view main event. You know what? Bad luck. It happens. Nothing you can do about it. That's yeah, that's it's happened with WWE. They've had to happens do that. to everyone. People get yes. hurt. That's fine, right? So did he come back too early? Whatever, or not. I, I personally don't think that's what it is. Me neither. So, number two, is this a punishment for Punk? We've Ooh. heard that Punk was backstage stirring stuff up. Punk, the, the thing that is weird to me was when Punk came out last week and cut his promo, and he and the Moxley and Punk stuff we liked. We, sure. we talked, it was good. Like we were like, this is gonna be a good few, like a good build to their pay-per-view, at least for these two guys. And then they said they're gonna put the match on next week, which we thought was weird. But when Punk came out and cut his promo, he mentions Hangman Page, who he's not in a feud with. He's not building anything up with Page. Like that that was what was so weird about all of this. And so for anyone to say, oh, Punk's just working people, he's just trying to sell matches and sell what the hell was he trying to sell by mentioning Adam Page? Yeah, that's not. Another he's point. not. Another point. You know, in and the problem is there. You that guy doesn't know you're saying that, so he doesn't have a chance to come out. So now all of a sudden, one of the bigger baby faces in the company looks like he's soft. He doesn't even come out when you call him out. And then they actually had to do. Did you see the segment that we saw? It Andrew posted it. I think right. Sure, they had to. Sure. They, they did. did it on being the elite or on dark or something. They sort of had a segment where Paige was. They acted like Paige was in the dressing room talking to other people, and he just said, "Get out of here!" You know, I don't care. You know, and and but it, it doesn't make sense to me. So, or there was a talent meeting reportedly before Dynamite on Wednesday. Was this done as a way to say, "Hey, CM Punk, look, you, you know, we brought you in, we pay you a lot, but this company's bigger than you. We're gonna get this title off you, and we're gonna have Moxley do it quickly." And, and you know, is this a, is this a punishment? I, I'm going to tell you the the two choices that we've just talked about. I I thought Punk was the the one who leaked the some of the information out that some of the backstage stuff was. Uh, a lot of people were not happy, and a lot of people were texting Triple H. Hell, he could have been one of them. I don't know. Um, I, I do I have facts? Absolutely not. It's just an opinion. Yeah, we, we, we all of this we're just speculating, right? We're going through <laughs> the three things, absolutely. and we're saying. Could this have been the, the reason? Could this have been what happened? That's what is kind of interesting about this. We have a lot to talk about in it, um, but I don't know how much of it is positive. Like, I I, I don't know right. where the money is in this, right? That's what I think about when I'm thinking about wrestling storylines. Where's the – so if, if this is a punishment and this is like Tony or them saying, hey, look, Moxley, this is a company guy. We're going to do this for whatever reason. You're throwing the company under the bus, blah, blah, blah. I mean, if that's the case – and I, I'm I don't I don't know if it is, and I don't I think of the things I'm going to say. The last one that I'm going to mention is okay. probably the one I feel is the most likely. So I I actually don't think this is the case either, because if this is, that's a bad thing to do for Tony Khan. You don't want to punish people in storyline on TV because all that does is hurt your fans. Right, right. The you, people that that keep the your business going. They, they all it does is hurt your fans and what they've invested in. So if you want to find CM Punk, you know, embarrass him backstage or something like that. But then when you do it out in front and it, and there's it's not part of a big story, all it does is is make you sort of look like you're you're sort of selfish and it's all about you. That's a Vince McMahon kind of a thing. 
Sure. Right. And that's the kind of thing that if AEW did, I would be upset because they've not wanted to do that. And I would, I'm sure a lot of the AEW fans would be too, because that's not what they want. Now, next option. This is, I guess, the, the last one. Is this a work that Punk was all involved in? He was beat quickly in UFC in Cleveland. A lot of people have been mentioning that. Sure. Is, is this just something that they're using? They were leaning into the storyline about how there were backstage stuff with Punk. And Punk just said, oh, yeah, you know what? I am here to really put these younger guys over. And... I, I mean, I, that makes the most sense because from what I'm hearing, I mean, let me say this. I don't know if CM Punk was happy-go-lucky saying, yes, I'm going to put these younger guys over like that. But it, it being just part of the story, I'm hearing that this the main event match for All Out is supposed to be these two guys again. We didn't We didn't hear anything this morning on Thursday about CM Punk having an actual injury, which we would have. If CM Punk hurt, got hurt, we would have heard CM Punk was actually injured in the match last night. CM Punk is going to be out, you know. Okay, wait, let me ask you this. Let me stop you right there. Does that wet your whistle for a main event next week? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And that's why, I mean, that's what I was saying. And when I don't understand where the money is. Why do I, what are they going to have happen on Wednesday night on Dynamite? One week now to build this up. You have one more Dynamite before your pay-per-view. Because I, I, I don't think they're using Rampage or anything else to sell the main event. So in one week, what are you, you going to have CM Punk come out and say he wasn't ready, do a full heel turn, and then what? But why do I care about buying a pay-per-view for 50 bucks for a main event where I just saw Moxley beat him in three minutes two weeks earlier? What? what I don't – I mean they would have to do something so incredible on Wednesday, and even if that – that's three days before your biggest pay-per-view or four days before your your one of your biggest pay-per-views. Why didn't we have more of a build to this? Um, I I heard a lot of people, the, the people who defend AEW just consistently, because I'll never defend anything consistently. No. Anyone. I just, I'm just not that kind of person. Like, everyone does things that are wrong. I do things that are wrong. I, w- I wouldn't want anyone to defend me when I did the wrong things. I would be like, dude, I made a mistake there. Don't. Don't do that, you know? But... I um I've never been a fan of the way they build to their pay-per-views where like a week or two before they just start throwing all these matches on the card and in this isn't a WWE thing. This is pro wrestling, Chad, before yeah. WWE in the territories. You build to your big shows. Your weekly TV stuff sets up the big big events where people come in from all over at you know how the big places down there in Texas all the time, you know, mid south, all sorts of different stuff. Like this has been forever in wrestling. I mean, if you don't build to a big show and then have sort of a blow up, like where where does it culminate? And so, like that's what I don't understand. I'm I'm looking at all out now, and a lot of the things that that have been thrown on there are they just don't feel like they were they were built to big big shows. A couple of them do. Well, look look at the two the two. Look at your two big titles on AEW. So you can't argue, or you, you can agree, and you can't argue the fact that the AEW World Championship is your top title. Okay. Yep. Uh, if you go to the women's side, and everyone is equal, their AEW Women's Championship um, is now has uh, an injury angle, or injury, it, it, whether it's a work or shoot, 
And so again, if it's if it's a shoot, um, nothing they can do about it. Bad luck, right? Bummer if she's if she's hurt. But this kind of feels weird to me too. It does. This feels really weird. This feels really weird because I know Thunder Rosa. She gives a hundred percent in the ring. She's fantastic at what she does. But you know, she's she's like a luchador, and you know, her body she throws herself around like a like a free safety in the NFL. That's a headhunter. So. And she's dealt with injuries throughout her career. So not, I, I'm not disqualifying that as not. It just seems like these two, your two biggest titles in your company, yeah. and now we have somebody dropping it, and it's now it's a, a three-way. And okay, so well, let's go real quick, just kind of a, to elaborate on where you're going, because I just I don't want to move from that area. Sure. So you're, we don't have a main event world title for the men listed. The women's title, unfortunately... They just had to strip her, but they're doing this thing again where they're calling it the interim. interim Why? Yeah. Like here, 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 here's what makes it easy. Just say, when you are back, you get a shot at the title. Boom. Boom. Why, That's why, it. boom. why do you have to call them interim? Nobody likes it. It's stupid. It gets confusing. And she did. She called herself the inner woman. I, I don't know if you heard that. Did you hear I that? Did. I, did. I, I don't know if that was a thing that she meant to do or just like a slip, but uh, um, so Men's title not listed on your pay-per-view, which is next Sunday. Women's title, now we have a four-way for the interim women's title. Okay, making the best of the situation. You got Tony, Britt, Hayter, Karushita, who just lost a tag team match, I think, on Monday on Dark. But they threw her in there because she's a former uh, champ. That's fine. So you then have your your next-level men's title, which is your TBS title. Is not being defended Wardlow is in a six man tag Where they completely changed the six man tag now It's Wardlow and FTR Versus Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns Which I will give them credit That match will be much better Than if it was Sanjay Dot and the other guy The big man, the big man. But yeah. it just seems sort of weird That would be a really fun tag match That you could have built up to those two guys And why not have FTR in a more prominent spot And why not have Wardlow defending his title On this show somewhere Well <clears throat> to, to wrap up The Moxley Punk deal And I remember you just are just Dinged in my head that, that You heard and it's supposed to be The main event for the pay-per-view next week <clears throat> I'm searching around And You know there's some, there's some outlets That have said this is That Moxley and Punk will have a rematch So Okay uh, we just saw a squash. So how could we buy into that? And then you go to the other side of okay. What- so let's say real quick. Let's while you're on that. So Moxley wins and beats Punk clean. Yes. Th- then then what for Punk, who's your biggest investment? Who he you can't judge- win it back. Well, and, and if he if he loses just clean like that, and it's your biggest investment. It's, he's and in he's trouble. been hurt. He's been hurt for a while. That wasn't your fault, but you haven't gotten your worth out of him yet, right? So don't you want to have him be a bigger part of this for a little while? I don't care if it's heel, babyface, whatever. I think if he loses again, just clean, it looks bad for him. But what the hell is the point of him winning it back? There, there's not one. But as you can say, it's 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 pro wrestling. We don't know. And like if he wins it back, they have this great match and he wins it back. So you just were doing this. Oh, well, he wasn't ready. He came back too early, a week and a half too early. 
So he's ready in 10 days. So in 10 Chicago. days later. It is in Chicago, angle. right? I think it's it, in it, Chicago. It's in Chicago. So you cannot not have him on that show in Chicago. It Did he, did, I, I just. There, I don't, there would I, have to be some sort of crazy stipulation. And I'm not talking about a cage match. MJF. wire. I'm talking about. Uh, career I, on the line. I've heard career, that one. Uh, career. L- loser leaves the company. Yeah. I'm talking career on the line. Yeah, punk retirement match. But the problem or, with or that is MJF, that makes me, MJF, MJF, if, if but you here's the thing, gonna, here's the thing. If that's the case, you want to build that in a week? Right. You want only one week to, <laughs> to say that CM Punk is putting his career on the line, or Man. you want one week to build up whatever it's going to yes. be now? Like, that's, <laughs> this is my issue with this. Me too. It's me the too. Timing. I, I'm just it's, trying to make some sense. It's more, here, here's the thing. If there was no pay per view, Coming up right now for them, I would have a lot less of a problem with what this is. With Absolutely, what happened. me too. I would too. Number one, I thought it was crazy. You were putting that match on free TV, and I hate to say it, but there's that match should not be on TBS. No, not when, especially when how when it was that hot. When when those guys were there was that much buzz about them when they stood in the ring and they were cutting those promos. That was something that you were like, wow, okay, let's let's throw this. This is our main event. I don't. I don't understand the timing of all of this. That's what's so weird. If this was in the middle when you have a pay-per-view two months down the line and you don't really have to build to it that much, I'm fine. But you have your pay-per-view that you want to get people to spend 50 bucks for coming up next week. I uh... And then, and then as we mentioned, the women's side and what you and I, one of the worst things that we hate about the WWE when they put someone in a match or in a feud or in a, sto- or in a storyline, they either tag them together or they put they, they get them involved. Now these four women are going to be in a tag match next Wednesday night to promote this women's uh, this four way for the interim women's world championship. So you have Storm and uh, Sheeta versus Baker and Hater in a tag team match next week that probably is not going to be very good. When, and unfortunately, you, you probably, I mean, she is not winning the title. Oh. I don't think Hater is going to win the title. It, and, it's Storm. It's got to be. It's got to be Storm. And then, unfortunately, you were sort of telling the story with Thunder Rosa where you wanted <laughs> maybe her to beat Thunder. And it it probably just won't be the same when she wins because you sort of felt like, okay, she's going to kind of be put up by default now because Thunder is hurt. You know, she's just sort of the next person that makes the most sense to to have the title there. Um, yeah, and then even the, the tag team titles, you had the tag team champions just go say, just go pick their challenger, the acclaimed. And look, I let me, the acclaimed is over. They're they're funny. I like them, but if you were gonna have them in this tag team title match on this show, why not give them a couple wins on TV over the last few weeks to to build them up for this and to get to to watch us see them in the ring pinning. A t- a g- like have them beat one or two There's so many good tag teams Why- We haven't seen them out there Interacting with any of them You didn't put them in the ring with the Young Bucks or FTR Or you don't want it to be with, with one of them That's fine Like give Put them in the ring with House of Black Or you know the 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 um, Bla- uh, Death Triangle Like c- There's so many different tag teams They could have put them in the ring with They've been doing this stuff with the Gun Club Forever and Billy Gunn And now they're just in a tag team title match <sighs> um, there's a lot to 
dig into and it would take honestly and, and I, I like these type of conversations because I try to figure out as just someone as a pro wrestling fan is this really a good solid two entertain two hours of entertainment and look believe me I've had a head scratcher with WWE many a night's hell um last week on NXT I, I wasn't a fan of that show I mean, two weeks ago I wasn't a fan of that show so do and if I'm trying to decipher more after the show is over than what I did going into the first hour, I, I, I'm not saying I know more than anybody else, but I would like to think I'm average. And some people probably have the same questions that I do. Or do you just kind of shrug your shoulders and go, oh, it's AEW, oh, it's pro wrestling at the end of the day? Well, it can't be because we've invested so much time, money and effort into this. You can't just shrug it off, you know? I, and you, yeah, it's not as if. Again, it's not as if I dislike everything. In fact, it's it's that I just think there are people not they're not maximizing. No, and, and look, every, let's, let's get to, let, let, and I know we'll get more into this big card next week. Lord knows how many changes it's going to have, but I've been begging for Ricky Starks to be on television every week, and they've done that. Yep, there are what he is doing is fantastic. Is great. There are two matches on the show that are listed. To me, that feel like they've been being built for a while, and that they should be on a pay per view like this: Starks versus Hobbs and Christian versus Jungle Boy. One hundred percent, I agree. They've been being built for a while. You felt them coming, and they've had some good weeks and some bad weeks, but there's just a little momentum behind them. They feel like they're pay per view. The other matches we have. So I will say, I I thought the opening segment <laughs> was yeah, pretty t- funny. I did think the opening segment was. You know what, Daniel Garcia, he's growing on me more and more because he's really good in the ring, and he came out and he played it pretty well of this guy who's like, man, I looked up to both of these guys, and I'm like, I gotta kind of pick one, and I, I thought, I thought that was pretty good. My my only issue with this is, I want, I'm imagining he's gonna be a big a, a part of their match at the pay per view somehow because we're gonna get right. uh, Brian Danielson versus Chris Jericho. But it seems sort of weird that the whole feud is about this kid and then he's not no, even not in the match. The match. <laughs> he's not even it should be a triple threat, really. Yes, it, it should be. Because I, I did look, I, I'm a huge Jericho Mark. I just am. I, I, I know I've heard horror stories, and if that all turns out to be true, then I won't be a Jericho fan. But if everyone believed the rumors about me, Gino, then you know then geez, a, man, because <laughs> I've heard some bad stuff. <laughs> I mean, if you just if you Google my name and TMC, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> no, who, who? Um, I, I did like the, I did like Jericho when he said it's going to be the Lionheart versus the American Dragon, and I have no problems with this match. But I just like me neither. It was just funny not, that there's, there's just like okay, it's two WWE guys. Just let's just put them on, and you know what? It's going to be fantastic. But of all the times to put two people. That a lot of people like, and and imagine a storyline. I would have liked to seen that be built for two or three, maybe right. maybe a month. I I think it would be fantastic, especially with the promos with those two guys could cut. And, and it was just like Daniel Garcia is in the middle, and then he just sort of like does the whistle and then backs him backs That's, up yeah. and just walks out of the ring. It's like yeah. where did he go? He's just out. He's just gone. Uh, so the AEW. All out pay-per-view will be next weekend We'll have a a big massive preview for it coming up next week also And we'll see what happens uh, in the next few days Because as of right now, 
Here's just a quick run through of the pay-per-view It's going to be the final for the World Trios Championship Um, We're going to have Wardlow and FTR Versus Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns Which the match should be fun But why not have Wardlow in a singles defending his title And FTR defending some of the titles that they have In a really good tag match They're your Ring of Honor champs And they have a couple different tag team titles Man, they did they did not capitalize on Wardlow's uh, or, or FTR A few weeks ago, I mean, FTR's still over But they were really, really over And now they've been kind of pushed back down Wardlow feels like nothing Right now oh, Absolute he, nothing yeah. compared to where he was with MJF They're going to have a casino ladder match uh, Chris Jericho versus Brian Danielson Who called himself Daniel Bryan For a minute, on which was great <laughs> I do he it said, all the time too Me too. He said, it's going to be the Lionheart Chris Jericho versus the American Dragon Brian Daniel Brian Brian He like stumbled, it was pretty funny Swerve in our glory, Keith Lee And Swerve Strickland versus the Acclaimed and then Christian Cage versus Jungle Boy and Starks versus Hobbs, which I'm I'm excited for those two matches probably the most, just because they've been built the best. Yeah, and you know they'll probably add two or three, possibly four other matches. Most of their pay per views have been ten to twelve matches, so you know we're we're gonna get a couple of matches, and you're gonna get a buy in match, you know, a pre show match as well. So for the trios, it's gonna be next week the Omega and the Young Bucks versus Will Osprey. And uh, uh, the United Empire I'd imagine the Elite's going to win That'll be an awesome match between Osprey And uh, Omega and, and, And the Elite will win Then on the other side it's the Best Friends versus the Dark Order Do you think it's Dark Order with Hangman? 100% 100% And then that's the final, those guys yeah. versus them and, and Hangman Yeah, that's you what bet. I would say Yeah, you bet Where's Let's Miro? Get... Where, where are all these people? God, I know, Miro Yeah, all the Where is Uh, uh... Shoot, man, I don't even know. I, I just Cesaro. That guy has been relegated to an ROH championship and to every now and then on Rampage. But if you really want to follow him, gosh, you know, I watch know. W Dark, Claudio. He was so he. It is the same sort of thing again. They they the really good debuts and then they they just kind of. I just don't like sticking ROH titles on people when ROH. Seriously at this time means absolutely nothing So that's my AEW take I am looking forward to that trios match Next week on TV Me too that'll be a lot of fun But I mean you know You have House of Black With with Black and Andrade In this tournament Just like losing in the first round Of these tournaments like nothing And that's those are guys Like Aleister Black and Andrade Those were NXT champs Those are guys that came up and, And I think you and I both know when AEW, I, I think AEW would be more likely to be scared to lose these people and just keep them instead of release them because you know what's going to happen with two or three of these, and you know, you know, mm-hmm. they're they're immediately will go back to WWE. If you're well, if you're those two guys in particular, Andrade and Aleister Black, and you're thinking, wow, Triple H is taking over. Remember what it was like for me when I was in NXT with Triple H? I was a major player. He made me look really good. He understands me. He, you know. And I think it, you look. I think AEW knows that. I think Tony yeah. knows that. He he he's not a stupid guy. No, one's no, ever- he's not. He's not. He's he's, he's a not. smart guy. He's a wrestling fan. And that's sort of I think one of the problems is he's just too much of a fan. Sometimes you got to lay down the law a little bit more. Yeah, and, you don't uh, want me running the Houston Texans or you no, know, no, <laughs> the Jacksonville Jaguars. No, not at all. Uh, <laughs> as uh, <laughs> 
Koopa Loop. I'm glad we were able to get a little more. Uh, a lot of times when we talk AW at the end, um, it'll get you know a little bit of the short shrift. But there was a lot happening in AW this week. But there's a lot happening all over the place. Johnny Gargano, Karrion Cross, yeah. Dexter Loomis, all over right now. And when we uh, we talk about the setup for Clash at the Castle, so just thinking about right now, this show is also a week and a half out, but there are. Three or four matches now on the show That I think have been getting pretty good build And I feel like we can kind of assume A couple others will be on there The Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre Drew has felt That promo with KO I thought really did a lot for him Yes, yes And I think he needed something like that Because he always feels like, oh, Drew's there Solid, but Drew Didn't get his moment At WrestleMania That was in the pandemic Right. The moment for Drew when he was supposed to get his big win the title moment, he did it in front of no fans. Are you telling me, Gino? Do you I, think? Are you telling me, Gino? We're going to have a new. I mean, I could, again, think about it. Drew was the chosen one for Vince, but Drew, when he came back in NXT, he was treated very well. Do you think they look at this guy and they go, man, you've been. A really good company dude You carried us for a while And you didn't get your moment And now you're going to be close to your home Where we can give you a big moment It feels more likely now Than it did a month ago Let me say that I I feel Look, look, let let me tell you, Gino And you you and I always like to do advanced booking I mean, that just After this pay-per-view You have I believe only two. They were. They are not doing a December pay per view. You've mm-hmm. got Extreme Rules, which, eh, you know, um, it's really not Extreme Rules. You'll have maybe a ladder match or something in, involved, or you no know, disqualification or something. And then you have Survivor Series, which uh, maybe with Triple H back uh, or in in the hot in the seat uh, of command. Um, we will get some traditional Survivor Series stuff. Then after that, it, it is the start, the road to WrestleMania because you have the Royal Rumble in January. So um, what, you know, we, we keep hearing, oh, the, the best match is it's going to be The Rock versus Roman Reigns. But it, it's just so hard to line that up. It just is. Even if you do, it's so hard to line up. And do, does Roman Reigns need to have the Universal Championship? Does he need to have any of those titles to be in a match with Rock? And I'm not saying that's the way they're going because you and I both know it's probably not going to happen. They've been hoping for it for years, and it's just not happened. Does he need the title to be in that situation? Um, probably not. Has Roman had this title for too long? You know, maybe, maybe. And and I think for I I don't. See, I don't. Here's and what's hard about this. I don't like the point. I don't. I don't like the idea of necessarily beating Roman, but I don't like the idea again of there being just the one champ that we don't see quite as much defending the belt, and that for the title and the you and the the tag champs right now. Like I don't like that on both of the shows. I think they could use a Drew McIntyre as the champ to be on TV a lot and have some fun TV matches and defend it a little bit and have a couple nice feuds. I don't necessarily think Roman should lose, but it's going to have to happen. And honestly, if it were me, I would book Drew to beat him. I would do it. You heard it here, it. folks. You heard I it here. It. I, hey, I'll, I'll throw some cheese on that. I, I, hey, look, um, I'm not saying the bloodline storyline has gotten has gotten. Stale. Me neither. I think it's good. It, I think it, it's, it's fine. 
it's fine. It, it's it's just been still, long. It's just it gets, been a long time. It is, and I love the the Sammy the Sammy Zayn factor in this. Even though he hasn't been involved in a lot of their matches or anything, the the backstage stuff has just been phenomenal. But I still think the Bloodline storyline could easily sell on without Roman being the champion. Hey, it may actually be better if the Usos still have the titles and Roman doesn't. How fun would that be with Paul Heyman in the you know in the in the same dressing room as though too? So something with Sammy in there too. Sammy is, and then you have Karrion Cross, you know. That you've brought back in hell, he feels he feels like a million bucks right now, dude. He, he does. He feels he feels like a star. They've just presented him well. Don't overexpose him yet either. L- little things here and there, but just keep yes. reminding us that he's there. And I, um, man, before we move off the bloodline, when Sammy was in with Roman, when yeah. they were doing that one on one, and Sammy goes and sits down with Roman, and and he's picking up the phone. And it's it's Uso, it's Uso on the phone, and he's like he's going back and forth. Oh my! Like Sammy was so good. <laughs> Sammy has been so fantastic with some of this stuff, and he's yeah, I got an icy idol shot later, you know. And it's just hey, man, Uso, I like when he goes, "Hey, Uso." I you love know? it when he calls him Uso. <laughs> it's so good. It's so funny stuff, man. So, and he's another that you kind of feel like with Triple H there, maybe Sammy could be. Like Sammy's been on TV and been been in in a good spot for a while, right? Like yes. he's been for a we while. All, hey, look, we all laughed at the Johnny Knoxville gimmick. Yeah, before. it was yeah, good. That turned out to be a plus, overachieved for sure. Yeah, big time but, for what it's worth. But maybe now you could see a a world where maybe Sammy's a baby face that gets a a shot at the title sometime. You know, like uh, him and KO. Roman Reigns mentioned KO. Which I thought was kind of funny too. He asked uh, Sammy about that, so I just there's a lot of good going on there. That was actually the 1200th episode of SmackDown. We ended up getting that, I mean, a five way number one contenders match for the IC title: Sheamus, Madcap Moss, Corbin, Ricochet, and Sammy. And since it was in Canada, the place was nuts for Sammy. They wanted Sammy big time. They were all into Sammy and. This thing was great. They've made Ricochet look better. I thought this was good use of all of them. And putting Sheamus in that match makes a lot of sense because you want Sheamus to have a big match on that show. I'm I'm sure Sheamus will be a babyface on that show. Probably. I, he might be. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, this this is a very very intriguing uh, pay per view for uh, the WWE because there's a lot of. What ifs that could definitely happen And these guys could hold the title For a couple of months It, it may not be long runs until Wrestlemania You you could see a, I could see a title Changing hands mm-hmm. uh, Next weekend at WWE And then s- seeing it change again At Survivor Series Hell, even Royal Rumble You know, you could see that uh, You could see somebody winning the world title Back or somebody new And then whoever wins the Royal Rumble You know, um, I, I I just don't know if they've able they they have been able to achieve this one undisputed champion good enough. It just still feels like to me that it's a SmackDown championship. It's I agree. It, it's not raw. And, and maybe that's what they wanted for a while, and maybe that's what they had in the plans with Cody Rhodes until he got hurt. You know, Cody was gonna be that guy. I do think You're Cody right. was 
was going to be the one that that knocked Roman Reigns off his perch. But man, it just feels like to me that that, that those belts, even the tag belts, even though both have been a part of Raw, it just doesn't seem uh, normal to me. It just doesn't seem seem like it flows to me. And now you wonder when you you mentioned someone like Cody, like what does Triple H think about Cody? Right? I mean, now he's in charge. Who knows if plans change? I don't. Th- I don't think he's going to do that. I think he he saw that Cody was over. I don't think he's going to bury him or anything. But maybe long term, Triple H has a different idea for WrestleMania next year than Vince McMahon would have. You know, um, and we'll say not everything has been necessarily positive. Um, and, and unlucky for them too. Toxic Attraction came up, was filling a spot in the tournament, and then they got hurt. Uh, Gigi Dolan got hurt. So now Toxic Attraction is out They're going to have like a last chance Fill-in match On Smackdown coming up this week Which again, nothing really you can do about that That's, No, uh, and, and look, I hate to say this But man, Gigi A.K.A. Priscilla Kelly This this has been she's She's been riddled with injury, injury. Throughout her career, even in the indies It's just And she's so talented, and man, they're on a roll and They announce these two are going to be on Smackdown And then they win and it's just like, oh, it's just like gutted. I, I just like them so much. Um, I, I hopefully this is not a long time, long term deal with her being out. But man, it sure sure seems like that uh, she's she's got the injury uh, syndrome. Man, she she gets hurt a lot. Very uh, sad because they were doing some good work. And then one thing um, I did want to mention also, I like. I'm I'm glad that Hit Row is back. I thought this week's segment. They just got to tinker with it a little bit because yeah, a little doing your work. doing the the yeah wonky you're right doing the the live music segment in ring is just it's kind of hard because sometimes you, you're better if you're doing like musical type stuff you're better if it's like short kind of like Cena and Caster that people can follow along with in if you're going to do a really well produced thing like Hit Row does i think they they're better off doing some of them backstage maybe and having them pre-produced and and they'll look a little bit better and or all, or just a little bit shorter just like i like their presence i think they'll figure it out they'll be fine yeah, but and look that, that the rapping stuff has always been hard i think cena at the beginning of his career everyone laughed and he was able to get it going a little bit but hell even as comical and funny as our truth has been some of his stuff is that well, think about it. When he comes to the ring, if he's a little bit off with the music, it's it's hard. Yeah, because you don't have easy. an inner. You're not going to have an inner monitor. You're just not going to, you know, uh, which most musical acts do, you know, because there's there's a little delay. That's a great in point. It. So, you know, look, I, I I was I'm same boat with you. I, I thought this week this week appearance uh, this week's appearance by them was a little off. Yeah, just well, they'll figure it out. They'll get the some of the uh, production. Uh, um, Snafus taken care of They continue to build to Shayna versus Liv As Liv picked up a win over Shotzi and they've been taking some uh, Shotzi's at each other on social media Yeah Um, Rhonda feels A little bit interesting too She was arrested earlier in the night For coming out I mean this Rhonda version I don't know exactly What they're doing but this Ronda is a lot better than the babyface Ronda coming okay. out and cutting promos in the middle of the ring where she was sort of struggling. Yeah, and this is this is what we've been uh, hoping for. And she's just I mean, her her gimmick is just being a badass. I'm the outsider. Um, I, I was the the baddest woman on the planet in USC for for a very long time, and I came over to the wrestling world, even though 
you know, uh, she was a wrestling fan her entire life. Um, she was seriously, she was, she was the outsider Mm -hmm. and she still kind of feels that. And I think that's the role that she needs to play, uh, where she leans toward being, uh, you know, a heel instead of a face. I just, she's better at it with her personality. Her promos are better. And when you're, when you're a heel, you can give little short, uh, goofy, weird, quirky promos. When you're face, you got to talk a little bit more. You've mm-hmm. got you, the fan. You have to. Bu- the fans have to buy your story, and I think it's easier uh, for for us to buy her promos when she's pissed off in a bad mood and she doesn't like the good guy. And then we got Drew standing tall at the end. Sammy, of course, comes down, but uh, he gets hit with the uh, with the uh, a claymore, and Drew grabs the titles and holds them up. So. They continue to build on the SmackDown side. Let's head on over to Raw, and then we'll probably just be able to quickly talk NXT uh, at the end. But we, I'm glad we were able to spend a little more time on uh, AW to start today because there was a lot happening there. So Raw, we get another brawl right off the bat. And I like that we're not getting a template for how Raw begins now. Maybe it's a match. Maybe it's a promo. Maybe it's a brawl like this. It's not the same every single week, which I like. And... Now I'm I was really invested in these two guys going into SummerSlam. It was really weird what they did because it never really felt like Riddle was hurt. He's been around a lot. Yeah. But they wanted (laughs) Yeah, so they wanted to push this um for whatever reason. But I mean the match will be awesome. I think this match is gonna be a steal the show kind of match. We've already got it carded there. So I mean Riddle, Rollins, Gunther, Sheamus. Roman Drew, those three men's matches that have already been listed are going to be really, really good. Yeah, um, just solid. Um, You know, SmackDown, as I've said for a while now, has seemed – I like the two-hour format better anyway. It's just hard to do anything three hours, uh, much less doing it three hours every week. So I've been a little bit more invested in SmackDown. Um, I, I just think the presentation's a little bit better. Uh, on Friday nights than Monday nights, and I, I think it's just been more enjoyable. The matches that come off come out of SmackDown onto pay per views. Uh, look, most of them have delivered uh, on Raw too, but it seems like I'm more invested a little bit from the blue brand. Um, I'll probably lean a bit, a little bit more on, for SmackDown than Raw. So you got the blue matches, T-shirt yourself. That's yeah, you, yeah. I, I the you you sleep in that blue T, that yeah, blue SmackDown yeah, yeah. T. It, it, it just seems like that. That they turn out to be the better of the matches, and we were worried about that going into WrestleMania. Remember, there were two nights of, and like Raw had eight matches, and SmackDown had like three, you know, until they, you know, tried to even it up. But uh, look, it's it's Friday nights are, are really really fun. It's it's been rolling on Fox. A lot of people were kind of worried about that. Would things change? No, it, it's been the one that's been most consistent of all the wrestling television programs. The Raw. Um, oh, Raw was also in uh, in Toronto this week, so we had Trish Stratus come out and make her appearance, and she looks fantastic. She doesn't um, age. How no, does she she doesn't age. She looks better now than yes. she did. And, and the the only thing I thought was weird about this was she didn't do really anything physically. No, that was odd. And she kind of teased it, and it seemed like there would have been a moment for her to do it. So there there had to have been some reason why, because she's in good shape, and we've seen her wrestle matches not. Not even right. that long ago, so that that was the only thing that was weird. But I love the the importance and the emphasis they're giving to the women. I mean, Dakota and Io were able to pick up a a, a win over 
Asuka and Alexa And that just continues to help build Towards their six women tag match That they're going to have at Clash of the Castle But they all feel really really important Right now and we saw Bailey have Her first singles match in a while And it was against Aaliyah And it went on In a few minutes It, it wasn't Incredible but Aaliyah just continues to get better They gave her a shot out here At you know home Hometown and Bailey Picks up the victory I didn't have any problem with that Either I thought a lot of the way that the Women were treated and and were Presented throughout the night was very good No it's fine I'm glad we don't have another Three weeks to build this uh, Six six woman Or six women Uh Tag team match because we'd probably get to see about nine different versions. Yeah, we of, feel like we're there now. You know, yeah. so so uh, the presentation was good. Bailey is just man, I, she's over as, a, as a, another one has just done so good with being a heel after being just a a massive massive baby face from NXT with her pigtails and the you know the the blow up dolls uh, you know going all over the place. She's done fantastic. And yeah, look, Aaliyah is, uh, she's green, um, but she has the look and she's getting better. I thought the match was fine. Um, and it gives, and she's also in the tag with Raquel that won their match. So it's sort of a way to kind of, you know, continue to promote the women's tag team tournament. And and where was Raquel this week? I think, I, I think they probably just had Aaliyah there because she's from home. Right. And since Raquel is like a, I I thought maybe we were going to get a tag team match later. That's yeah, I, I, I wondered. I wondered why, too. Why? Why waste Trish on this? I, you know, if you're going to use Trish, uh, I would have had her get physical. I think and so you too. Could, and look, you could. She doesn't need to be on next week. She don't need to be on in two months. Bring her back for WrestleMania season and have yes. her go up against Bailey or go up against one of these that doesn't need a title in their, you know, in their match. And I, I, I thought they look. The crowd was so hot. Friday and Monday and then when Trish came out uh, they were really Hot it would have been They would have set that place on fire If, if she would have she would have decked Bailey I, I, I think Bailey and Trish Would be a phenomenal Wrestlemania Match and then we just got some really Good wrestling I mean we got Ziggler Versus Finn Balor solid Finn, man. You know Finn picks up the win We get Kevin Owens versus Chad Gable So good you know KO picks up a victory there That was really good and then afterwards he hits a Stunner to Otis then um, Judgment Day Continues to you know Laugh about the Mysterios and um, You know set up Their feud with them which We'd imagine that we may see something coming up at the Pay-per-view and then we got like even Miz and Champa versus AJ And Bobby Lashley which is Good and then Miz gets kidnapped. <laughs> he gets kidnapped by Dexter Lewis. He just there's that guy again. I don't know he if it was Byron Saxon who said it. He goes, "There's that guy again." Corey Graves goes, uh, "Well, we do know his name is Dexter Lewis, Byron." <laughs> that is great. That is great. And Miz just gets taken back, and AJ's looking around like, "What the hell? Yeah, what's going, going on?" on? And so that that was pretty funny. Um, following that, we. Had just kind of out of nowhere Johnny Gargano's music hit Dude (laughs) And I will say I don't think He could have Come off better I don't I mean He he got a great reaction The people knew him They were chanting for him And he His promo was awesome He was like really comfortable That had to be a 
a huge moment for him. He hasn't cut promos like that in front of that kind of a crowd ever. I mean, ever. honestly, ever. Ever. No, I thought ever this was on the- TV in front of two million people watching. I couldn't believe it was like seeing somebody get the moment and and just get the ball and just run with it. And here's how smart WWE is, Gino. <clears throat> WWE was recently in Cleveland, right? Raw, um, maybe SmackDown was. They were yep. they were recently there. That's where everybody thought he was going to show up. And it's easy for him to go over in Cleveland and get that hot crowd. But you know what? The next week, it may not be as hot because it was your hometown. And now it really worked out because you the guy is not even in the United States of America. We're in Canada now. And he comes Nobody out. was expecting him. Nobody. This was, there was no. Up. This was perfectly done. There was no rumors, no spoilers, no leaks about this at all, which is really impressive in this day and age for That's nobody true. to have known about this, for him having to get all the way to Toronto and people didn't know. Nobody saw or said anything. And they put him in the ring with Austin Theory, who he's already comfortable with. And and so these guys had a fun back and forth. He feels like a big deal. And another thing, too, you know what? By having him come out on Monday, where was AEW last night, Chad Cooper? Oh, hang on. Cleveland, right? Yep. Yeah. So you weren't having to worry about anyone no. thinking that Johnny Gargano might show up in Cleveland. On AEW because you already took him out of the picture a couple days earlier, you know. So that was another thing. People thought he may show up in AEW. You remove him. Oh yeah, nobody's thinking that he's going to show up because we just saw him show up on Raw. Uh, he was great. He was awesome. His promo was fantastic, and he just feels comfortable. And now he mentioned the IC title, the US champ, and the WWE championship. Those were his dreams as a kid, and you you actually feel. Now, because of Triple H, you feel like he's got a shot. You do. Yeah, yeah, yeah you do. Um, and to bring Theory out um, was just so damn good because they they had such a an interesting dynamic while in NXT. The family. That was, yeah, yeah, it just it was fitting that Gargano knocked him out. You know, we didn't have we didn't need Gargano wrestling. No. Monday night did not need a match later on in the night. No, this was perfect. Yeah, ease this along because don't rush him into something and put him on that pay per view next Sunday. Ease him along. Uh, it was just perfectly done because he could have easily gotten that pop in Cleveland, Ohio, for uh, for WWE. You know, this, easily because it, 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 it was in the books. You know, but just perfectly done, man. By all by both sides, him and WWE. It's a great promo. And we end the the show with a great match. This is Damian Priest has been really interesting because, man, about a year ago, this guy was one of the most over and well booked and well protected guys on the roster. When he was the U.S. champ for a while, he he never lost. He always won. He was in good matches on TV. He sort of felt like he was a big deal. And then he lost the title kind of out of nowhere. And. And all of a sudden, he just losing matches. He lost that match on on Raw, and then he and then it he just felt unimportant. Then the Judgment Day stuff happened, and he feels more important now. But this was a great showing for him. This might have been the best match I can remember seeing for Damian Priest on the main roster, maybe one or two in NXT. And they gave him a lot of time. Edge was really good. The crowd was into Edge. They loved it. He hits the Canadian Destroyer and then the Spear, and then he puts Damian Priest's head on the chair. 
But Rhea Ripley comes out and she hits the low blow on Edge And then Balor comes in and hits the coup de grace And uh, then uh, as it looks like they're about to beat down Beth Phoenix comes in <laughs> for the save with the chair So she uh, she holds them all off there Do you think we get Beth in this for a match maybe? Yeah, we, we should um, The match in itself uh, between Damian and Edge was fantastic I thought the storytelling in the match was a good storytelling, old school type of match. Um, you didn't have a lot of jumping around spots, a um, lot of false finishes, just really well done. And Edge going over and being in that main event in his hometown, um, it, it just made Damian Priest feel that much more important. With this type of match where he didn't need a win, you didn't need to bury Edge. And yeah, that when they mentioned Beth would be at ringside, I thought, okay, she's getting involved in this match. And they waited till the very end. I would definitely put uh, those two in a tag match, or uh, I would even take it a step further. Why couldn't you go Rhea versus Beth with those two? You know, uh, she was the Glamazon at one time. Mm-hmm. And Rhea is as as a, a very big presence in the ring. I think I think you could get away with putting them in a singles match, and uh, you would have you, a good time with that. Do you do something like it's the the Judgment Day three with Priest, Balor, and Rhea, and then you have Edge and Beth looking for a partner, and they go ask Ray, and then that pisses off Dominic. You could, and then then that leads to because it it feels like they could do something with a six person. But you're right, even Beth versus Rhea for for a a one off or for for a a, a pay per view match would be kind of fun. I I feel like they should do something with with this. We're we're definitely gonna get an Edge versus Finn or Priest again with Beth at ringside, or you know, as the "Quote unquote valet." She will. She will be with Edge, and Rhea will be with either Finn or Priest. I would assume we'll probably see the Finn match that way, and I wouldn't be surprised if that led into a mixed tag. Now, if if they're still involved with the Mysterios, and it looks like they still are, yeah, hopefully they wouldn't put uh, Dominic in uh, the match. Maybe they would. I don't know. Uh, maybe AJ is a possibility. There's really nothing for AJ right now. Hell, there's nothing for really Bobby Lashley either sure, you're right. uh, to go around. But yeah, there, there's a lot of ways you can go. And again, it made everyone feel important again, because we were worried, uh, about Finn and Damien with Rhea being out, you know, but they've, we, they've we, felt, we e- they felt even really just important. the last few weeks with yeah. Finn TV yeah. matches, you know, like giving, giving in these team TV matches and like wins over guys like Ziggler. They're just, they're good for him to remind us all. And they were good matches too. They were good, good matches. That could have been the main event. Yeah, you're right. So Coop, um, I'm going to be, I got to get out of here in just five minutes. So I want to quickly hit, uh, NXT and we'll talk more about them next week because they're building to their world's collide show. We actually heard that NXT and NXT UK are going to sort of merge for a while, right? There's, there's yeah, not, because NXT UK is no more, basically. Yeah, they're going to do some sort of Europe thing. There's, there are going to be different plans. It's going to be relaunched as NXT Europe in 2023. Right. So for right now, they're going to sort of merge together. And this is going to be on Sunday, earlier in the day before All Out. And 
we should, we can have some really fun matches on this show right now. What it's looking like, we're gonna have Braun Breaker versus Tyler Bate. Tyler Bate is incredible. Yes. He is fantastic. Hey, you know he what? Made... This is going to be the first time a lot of NXT and a lot of North American fans have seen. Because uh, I, 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 I'm serious. I don't know yeah. how many how many people watch NXT UK. You're I right. never did. You know, no. I never. The, I like, the, yeah, this the times a... that I that I saw him was when he would come over to NXT and the Pete Dunn match is the one yes. that a lot of people yes. remember on the uh, on the NXT Takeover, which was fantastic. Mandy is going to defend. Against um, uh, Miko Satomura and Blair So it's going to be a triple threat match To unify the NXT Women's Championship Blair Davenport, uh, Mandy, and Miko Satomura So that, I mean, Mandy just continued to do really good work, man I've been more and more impressed with her as her reign has gone on Satomura was on was on WCW Nitro She wrestled <laughs> A match on WCW Nitro Just to give you an idea of how long she's been around She's one of the most well-respected women In in pro wrestling Like history for women That's uh That's yeah. crazy when you think about it That's 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 a while man That's a while So the others that we're looking for I'm sure are The NXT UK And uh, championships And uh, the NXT men's championships Will probably get um You know get Merged and then it looks like We have stuff with with Grimes and Gacy eh, eh. A little weak there and they have a new name Now schism not to be confused With or schism whatever Not to be confused with uh, The song or album by the rock Band tool I just yeah. thought that was weird They get a new name every week I don't I just That's not working no I, look It's just not working and, and I, I feel For I, I, I just feel for the parties involved. It's just not a good gimmick. It's never caught on. It had a chance, and it's just not working. The it's slow and steady. I think. I think it was another good week for Apollo. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I thought his his like response to Grayson Waller. Waller calls him out, and Apollo says, "Hey, look, you know what? I was a champ." He said, "I love it." He said, "Didn't you used to have an accent?" Accent that was bad. That was. He great. said, "Do you remember?" And you know, and Apollo went into the accent, and he said, "Look, I, I went home. I kind of found myself." And now I, I've started. Oh, I love when they when they like lean into things like that. Yes, that it That's was great because you would bring that up anyway, Gino. Of course, you, you would. One of your uh, your former network TV shows, and you were British, and now you're not. I, you know, Gino, uh, we're missing something here. If aren't your we? friend went through a goth phase. <laughs> You would bring it up to your friend yes. You'd be like, do you remember when you went through that goth phase? What the yeah. hell was going on? You know what I mean? Or you would like, that would be the, the fodder You would use to make fun of them So um, we uh, Yeah, we had Blair Davenport beat Indy And then after, Indy was kind of Melting down It's my and, fault, it's my fault And Dexter's back, and Index Reunited <laughs> This is great does she go up to the main roster now Or does I, she stay around I mean she Well you got John You really don't know what he's doing right now No either. And you I like that they had a kind of a crossover That he's on NXT And on Raw And then You know think about it You've got Johnny and Theory up on the main roster now Oh yeah if, You point. could have all of them If Candice If Candice wants to come back after She's she got to be next right She's physically able back. to Well she had yeah. the baby so you wonder if she, you know, you know, with with mothers a lot of time when they have their baby, you just never know, right? You, some of them, sometimes you have that kid, and it's like you have a you have a relationship with your kid. You don't want to go back to work and do what you put your body through, <laughs> put your body through it anymore. And other times, 
you you're totally fine doing it. You want to be back as soon as possible. So I mean, I I'm sure Candice will probably be back. Um, yeah. They could all be up there. Um, looks like Legado del Fantasma is going to be headed up with maybe everybody. That's great. That was a great segment. I when they all hopped in, you guys. Yeah, and they hopped in the the suburban. I love that. That was great. And um, yeah, we. Uh, what else did we get? The uh, the yeah, the dyad beat Legato, and then afterwards they end up uh, they end up leaving, and we saw Tyler Bate in action. He got he picked up the win over Von Wagner. I was a little surprised that Wendy Chu picked up the win. I, the match was pretty good, though. I mean, yeah, really, really good. And I'm surprised who went over. Me too, because we love us some Tiffany Stratton, but they do that sometimes in those lights out matches because they can sort of it's say it's a gimmick it was, match. Yeah, you yeah, can, it was, you can afford to take that loss. Exactly. Well, Coop, next week is going to be a blast, man, because we'll have three big shows to preview. So next week we'll have a, a really fun show where we can get in depth and we'll see what's been going on in AEW. Um, my friend, stay safe out there. I know your weather has been crazy. And uh, oh, next, send some sunshine this week. I will. And next week I have even extra homework for you. Not only okay. will we have three shows to preview. Next week, I want a college football player too from you. Oh, lock. We've got week zero is this week, but then next week we actually have week one and the big kickoff weekend. So give me a a college football player too next week, and we'll also preview all of these pay per views coming up. Thank you so much, Koopa Loop. Give this man a follow at the Chad Cooper on Twitter and on Instagram. You'll hear him here with me each and every week talking. WWE, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, all of the big news in professional wrestling. Thank you so much, buddy. You have a great weekend. Good to be back, Gino. That is the man, Chad Cooper. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more to come on this episode. And that's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Big thank you to Eric for helping us out with all of the NFL team-by-team previews. We'll talk NFL with Eric each and every week now moving forward. Chad Cooper, always here with This Week in Wrestling. Big couple weeks coming up in WWE and in AEW. Good luck to everyone playing the races this weekend at Del Mar, at Saratoga, at Louisiana Downs. Still a couple weeks left of the big summer racing meets. And look forward to diving into NFL and college football soon. We'll have preview. Uh, we'll have recaps of episodes 1 and 2 of She-Hulk coming up for you on the next episode of That's What G Said with Tim Kelly and another uh, edition of the old Wrestling Rewatch coming up soon. So much and it just never stops here. Thanks for hanging out with us and hope you all have a great weekend. Fighting and for